what is that? That's magic, right? Well, here's why. We have a great pot ahead. We're going to keep this one short. We got an offer for you. And with Collective IQ here around the round table, we can make it so sweet for you. So here's this simple offer. Save $20 on anything. All right? You use the code SLASH20, S-L-A-S-H-20. Now, one of the things that you can buy is the discounted seven-day all-access. Now, what does that mean? For seven days, you pick one handicapper, Steve Fezzik, A.J. Hoffman. Now, who are we talking about here? Let's look at some of the winners, right? We got Scott Seidenberg on the list, up almost seven units the last seven days. Spartan, up almost nine units the last seven days. We're giving you that little window because that's the window you're going to be operating in. You can look at all the records at pregame.com. Good fella. Up a le- almost 12 units the last seven days. And Griffin Warner. You're fine, right? Yeah, that's my uh, college basketball podcast partner. Undefeated in the last seven days. 6-0-1, and he's up 16 effing units. Okay, good. Now, who wants to buy right now? Because you're thinking, wait a minute, seven days? It's going to be Thursday, Friday. That doesn't go to the Super Bowl. And you know what? That was the point of the sales team. They're saying, let's give them an extra sweet deal. Let's get them betting college basketball, seeing how they can win at that. Other, you know, blah, 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 NBA. And that's kind of like, okay, makes sense. You want to give them a little taste for a good deal because you want them going after the Super Bowl. But then we were talking. I'm like, you know something? Oh, they said, AJ, you were the one who came up with this. You said, but, you know, almost everyone puts up most of their picks, their props, everything before the Super Bowl. Like, Fez already has props up. I already have props up. You already have props up. So they're not going to like this. I'm serious. But I don't care, right? Because I get so much love. I mean, it can be three people mad at me, but like 100, you know, 100 plus thousand saying, oh, RJ's generous. I'm going to take the 100,000. I mean, it's not like I'm just about the, the, the uh, likes because I'm not. We know that. But, boy, three or four against 100,000? You're not worried about Mary and Tom and Mark. Well, now that you're saying like that, I am a little scared. (laughs) But what I will say is I'm going to push on through is get it today, tomorrow, whatever, Thursday, Friday. But then I would say a big chunk, if not a vast majority, of your cappers, whoever you pick, and you can buy more than one, your cappers – Super Bowl picks will also be part of this package because it's going to be loaded up beforehand. Sweet. You get the discounted price. You get all the college basketball action, all the NBA action. But then you get the Super Bowl, too, at a price they didn't even contemplate. And you know what? I've taken sides, and it's with you. What do you think, AJ? I think it's wise. I, I didn't. I, at first, I was like, "Are you sure that's what they want to do?" But then you said, "I saw the light bulb go off over your head," and you're like, "I don't care what they want to do. Exactly. I'm a man of the people, and that's what I appreciate about you." I couldn't say it any better. Slash twenties the code. Go to pregame.com. Hit buy picks. Onto the show. Super Bowl week, kind of. But that's better than the Pro Bowl flag football week. When is that? Is that is that this week? I think it's this week, yeah. Yeah. They asked me to play in it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I mean, that'd be interesting. I mean, in a weird way, you could see them making that cool. It's just there's something about it that seems like they've diminished something. But wouldn't it be wild to see a real flag football game? I'd like to see AJ be the quarterback. He no. can still he can still wing it. No. Yes. <laughs> How far do you think you could throw a football? 
now, 18 yards? Uh, now. <laughs> yes. Tomorrow. No, no, back in your prime when you were the backup quarterback. I don't know, maybe. Were you the backup quarterback? Yeah. How many kids went to your school? My, my graduating class was 1,000. So okay, like, all right. I'll, I'll go 55 yards. Now? When now. Did, I'd go I will I'd go gladly take the under against you on 55 that. yards? 55 feet, maybe. I saw him throw Fe- in the parking lot. Fez has seen me throw. Was it a Nerf ball? It was a laser. The Vortex? It was a laser. Is Maybe you've been tossing in the, you know. Uh, it was dark. <laughs> I'm guessing probably, I'd say 40 yards. Only 40, okay. Yeah. Right. I'd be surprised. I'll still take the under. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, the That's... reason, no, I, how far can I throw a football? 55 feet? Oh, I can throw way more than 55 feet. I'm not sure. Like yards. a real, a regulation ball. Oh, yeah. 12 yards. <laughs> I would bet everything on over 12 yards. Well, remember now. Once upon a time, people questioned Fez's powerlifting ability. Mm. And there was major, I mean, there was over $1,000 being bet, right? Yeah. They, the only one not to get sucked in was me. I said, I don't think he can do it. And the bet was, could he bench 200 pounds? Right? Okay. So everyone was, was piling up on the other side. There was over 1000 right? Yeah. Yeah. Brad Powers was the big loser. Yeah, yeah. He was <laughs> for sure that you were. And then I'm like, hey, listen, guys, who suggested the bet? I mean, once it see, I don't I'm not like Fez. I don't try to stop people from getting their bets, but once they're done, I try to teach. I said, Who suggested this bet? They go, Fez. Hmm. You think he's suggesting a bet he's not gonna be able that, to do? That's the old <laughs> lesson, right? You don't if you if you're the one that suggested the bet. Obviously, don't bet against that the person. The context, I believe, was that um, in the draft, someone couldn't bench press 185. They couldn't do mm-hmm. one rep. Yeah. Duran, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, that's for sure. And I said, that's ridiculous. I mean, I could I could easily do 185. Uh-huh. Then yeah, it got up to two. Yeah. And then we got video of this. I didn't even go to the place. I knew it, bef- it was predetermined. He knocks out like eight reps at 200. I'm like, pause. I'm like, well, it's not that much, but I'm like pausing at the Oh, no, bottom. no, no. It, it was, was good. It, it was, was at least six. Yeah. It was, it was, I, it was I, at I least had, six. I had good form. And I'm telling you, that's pretty impressive. Uh, yeah. Every time I talk to Fez, he's like, I'm at the gym. I'm at the gym. He, he lives at the gym. He lives like a. There's a Howard Stern, right? In which uh, George Decay was on. And then Chris oh Rock was next. <laughs> and Chris Rock was next. And Chris Rock looks at me and goes, He's how old? 77? He goes, that's rich old. That's rich old, yeah. right? <laughs> Fez is rich old. Yes. I mean, he's got. He put. I mean, I guarantee he puts night creams on. Okay, okay. We did a time shift. A lot of stuff in there. A lot of stuff. A lot of stories about poker, Stu Unger, and then Fez does something I never thought he would do, and it was actually heartfelt. That's all I'm going to And AJ was the recipient. It was very nice. You caught. He pitched. Mm-hmm. The way it should be. And you received. <laughs> and you received. Widely. Gratefully. Yeah. And you don't want to miss it. <laughs> or maybe you do. You can, you can tell me. <laughs> no. It's, <laughs> it is interesting. It is interesting. Okay. Let's get right into the action here. And I asked the boys one question. Before the pod, I said, I want you to tell me one thing, and only one thing. Now you can tell me more, but one main thing that you think matters in this handicap for the Super Bowl, but it's not being discussed enough. Steve Fezzik, answer that question. I think the performance during the playoffs, it is being discussed, but let's face it, San Fran, 
way better than Kansas City over the regular season. Mm-hmm. But we often t- we we talk about how you got to wait the playoff games a lot higher. You know, they're they're not just a game. And you've gotten a Kansas City team. Let's think about what is the rationale to wait it higher. I think I right off the go, I'm thinking it's more recent, mm-hmm. and it's apples to apples, meaning motivation. The stakes are high, pressure's on. Spot kind of. spot on. And uh. then there's the whole Andy Reid saves the good plays, you yeah. know, and it, it, it it's a totally different animal. Mm-hmm. So. You've got a situation where Kansas City talk about a gauntlet, right? So they're playing Miami, they're you know, they're playing Buffalo on the road, and they're playing Baltimore on the road. Baltimore's the best team in the NFL. And they come through with flying colors, never really in danger of losing any of the games. By contrast, you got San Francisco team, yeah, they were juggernaut for most of the first half of the year, other than those three games, um, three-game losing streak. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're, they stumbled a little bit down the stretch, and they've been bad in the playoffs. You can make the case they should have lost both those games. Mm-hmm. And so you've got a five-game sample of Kansas City not just being better, but being significantly better despite having a strength of schedule that just clobbers the 49ers in the playoffs. And yet here comes money on San Francisco. i got to be honest, RJ, second straight week that – I blew the line move, so I said, I remember saying, there's no way, no way Kansas City and Mahomes is going to be getting more than three and a half against Baltimore. And they went up to five. Mm-hmm. And Which, again, was counter to the narrative of Mahomes as a dog. Yes. You knew the public was going to bet Mahomes as a dog. And that was professional money saying Baltimore's underlying stats make them the clear best team in the league. No doubt. No doubt. And, and their guys, you know, the Aaron Schatz was saying Baltimore, fifth best team of all time, et cetera, stuff like that. And now they're doing it again. It's like, well, I think Aaron Schatz said San Francisco, the ninth best team of all time. Well, and he was saying that when he was saying that about Baltimore, but it was Baltimore's here and then back some ways is San Fran. That's, okay. that's, that's, that's right. Um, and so here, here comes people, the, the, the betters, the pros, they're not, they're not waiting these playoff games triple. They're waiting every game about the same clearly, because they're still saying San Fran is not just the better team. There's the significantly better team. Cause the line, let's talk about the line move. So the line, the look ahead line, uh, a week ago mm-hmm. was three. Mm-hmm. All right, and you wanted a piece of it. Mm-hmm. I wanted a piece of it, and it, it disappeared immediately. So it went from plus three to plus two and a half. The pros well, it disappeared in, in an afternoon. Or yeah, whatever. the pros said, "Give me, give me some Kansas City plus three to this two. This was and, at circa, and it was and a, a perspective line only if the matchup happened. Exactly, hypothetical matchup that came out to be the true matchup. All right, so so it closed the the that line, the look at line closed two and a half. So what happened since? Well, San Fran clearly underperformed. And Kansas City overperformed, so there's no way that that line was still going to be two and a half. But remember now, Kansas City would have to to advance and even make that matchup ever happen. Kansas City would have to overperform. You know, this is a solid point that you're making. So I think that's part of the reason the wise guys took the three is they're saying they, they, exactly that. They're like, well, wait a minute, Kansas City's going to get a bump for beating Baltimore. So, but even, with even, San Fran, no matter what they did, there was so much skepticism about Detroit, it wouldn't have really mattered. Exactly. So you 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 could have made the case that all right, if both teams had gotten forfeit wins into the Super mm-hmm, Bowl, mm-hmm. then or, or if the matchup was this week, yeah, that Kansas City should have been indeed a three point dog. So that's fair enough. So, but even if you use the three. I mean, clearly Kansas City 
is worthy of almost a point upgrade, if not a point with the Baltimore game mm-hmm. and San Fran a point downgrade. And that's going to get you down below too. Now, San Fran was was covering the spread like with two minutes. Left. Yeah, but it was it, it was a miracle. They were they were completely outplayed for most of the game, and the stats were dead. The, at best, the stats were dead I, equal I, in the game. I disagree with that because here's why: I think what we see first makes more of an impression. It feels like the truth, and then what happens later is like. Oh, that's the truth when it somehow decayed. Well, I don't know. I don't know about that. I think we tend to wait this. The, the, what we see, if we see what most recently, if a team the gets half, out to a big lead, yeah, and the other team comes back and wins, the sense is the team with the big lead was better and they blew the game. It's rarely the the team that came back. Mm. I mean, if anything, you're making my case is. San Frank, I would make the case San Fran outplayed Detroit just as much in the second half as they were outplayed in the first half. I think they, that's fair. But why is it that San Fran played so bad then? Their defense just has— Well, not in the second half. Their defense has had a reputation for being, like, like really, like, elite, and it just hasn't been. And even the second half, it was it was very good. Obviously, they held Detroit to seven points, and that happened at the end of the game. But Detroit still when had— When they were down 10, and it was, like, prevent time. Yeah, but Detroit still had two solid drives into, um, you know, in, 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 into to about the 25-yard line of San Fran. It's not like they, they, they stuffed Detroit. Detroit was up by 14 points and drove twice, by 14, seven points, both times when they fumbled once— that led to a seven-point turnover. The other two times they had 45-yard drives that stalled on fourth well, downs. Then the fumble happened close to the Detroit end zone, right? Yeah. There was yeah. The, yeah, so there was the two, yes. uh, two fourth-down failures. Uh, there wasn't a fumble also in San Fran territory. There was a 45-yard drive, mm-hmm. failure on fourth down. Mm-hmm. Then there was a fumble. Yeah, which was— uh, like In their a, own yeah, zone. And then zone. their third drive, another 45-yard drive— Failure on fourth down. But in, but they never got past the 30 in either of those, right? They were right around the 30. Yeah. yeah. yeah I yeah. mean, I'm not saying that's nothing. They didn't but, punt once. But if you don't get it within the 30, though, if you listen, if you never freaking not go for it, you don't punt. Right, right. But, it, but I guess if you go until the last two minutes, they don't get inside your own 30 and, for a And both hat, the fourth downs were drop passes. Both yeah. of them were, you could argue it was Detroit not converting, not San Fran stopping them. Which speaks to, I think— the pressure meaning something. If you yes. act like these are normal games. That's a great point. Because I think you've one of those situations, you freeze it and you say, does Reynolds catch this pass? Eh, probably two-thirds of the time. What What is the real impressive? Like, if we look at – I look at Baltimore and I say, boy, now in hindsight even, that Detroit win, yeah. that looked good, didn't it, right? And then it was – who was the other? San Francisco. <laughs> Okay, yeah, but they had another team that went there and uh, they crushed them. Seattle? Was it Seattle? Yeah, I they think it was Seattle, Seattle which yeah. again, that's not as. But the Detroit's one of the four best teams in theory. I think they probably were, right? I mean, right up there. Maybe Dallas, you got to quiet. But remember, they, they played Dallas he in played Dallas even in very Dallas. close. Yeah. So um, I, what were the best San Francisco wins? Let's think about it. Uh, the, the blowout of the Cowboys. Cowboys, yeah. Okay, but in hindsight, I, okay, really sure. nice win. Um, blowing out the Eagles, but again, and that was on the road. Mm-hmm. That, but the Eagles, that was at the beginning. There were real problems. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, they got margin on a lot of okay teams. Tampa, <laughs> I mean, I mean the Rams by 10, 10 or seven, depending upon how you how you grade the first last game play. of the year yeah. when the Rams were very young. Yep, I mean uh, second game of the year. No. 
Oh, oh. They played Steelers first. Oh, I'm game. sorry. I meant the first matchup of oh, yeah, yeah. between them. But you're right. I misspoke the way I said that. Now, the last game they lost when it didn't matter to them, and, and the Rams had something to play for, yeah, right? Yeah, it was yeah, yeah. That, that, throw, that was a throwaway. Yeah. Yeah. starters route. Okay. Yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is if we're already down, I mean, you could say Pittsburgh has more impressive wins. Mm-hmm. I mean, re- I mean, close. at minute. So my question is, I'm always skeptical of a team that, that gets a bunch of margin on bad teams but then doesn't do as well against good teams. Meaning, I always tell you, AJ, I believe margin against bad teams means something. But it doesn't mean you're an all-time great. Miami had margin against teams. Dallas, it seems like that San Fran somehow caused the Shanahan effect. If it was a normal coach there, I'm not sure. And if it wasn't this idea that they're transcending the need for a quarterback, they got so much with McCaffrey. Really, statistically, well, that brings up the point. When you have an easy schedule – a lot of those blowouts are in the underlying stuff. I, I agree. And I think they were teetering on the brink where it was like almost to the point where they lost to Green Bay and Detroit. It's one thing to win by three. It's another thing to say, wow. Yeah, they could have lost both those games. They're, they're, they're at that point. Detroit's, Off a bye yeah. at home. Detroit's yeah. up 14, and they're driving on you, and there's seven minutes left in the third quarter. It's like if they get in the end zone, you are going to lose that game. Well, Detroit had a lot of opportunities to win that game. Yes. They, they could and have same up with Green Bay. Three possessions. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things we can discuss with Dan Campbell. But who is the. I'm going to go around the horn, and, and you guys can answer this question about 30 seconds. So I'm going to give you a little time to think. Who in professional football today is the biggest choking team? All right. Your choices are going to be Dallas, right? I mean, you can say whoever you want, mm-hmm. Baltimore, or San Francisco. Buffalo's not in the mix? No, because I don't think, since they almost always get beat by Mahomes, I mean, I would say that Cincinnati game was pretty bad, but, you know, with the Hamlin thing, they would be fourth out. Okay. But I don't think, I, I think any of those other three could be first. I don't think, I don't think that Buffalo could be first. Okay. So, you know, that's my thought. But is, does anyone here, maybe I'll ask this question, does anyone here want to say, I object to Kyle Shanahan being put into that category? Because, he see, I mean, one, you can't forget the Atlanta situation mm-hmm. where he gave up. You know, that puts a mark. Even if he wasn't that before, it was like he third, had— Third and 18, up 10 in the Super Bowl. You know, that's, uh, that's not a good look. You have a lead. That, so— what I'm saying is, you know, it's in their heads. Maybe that's the most important thing. Well, who would you guys put? Like, let's just. Go. I would take Dallas. Okay, I agree uh, with him on Dallas only because of the record for the past several years. Uh-huh. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm still going with Buffalo. 13 seconds. I mean, that's a team effort collapse. That's not just. Mahomes. Yeah, that was pretty bad. <laughs> that was pretty bad. <laughs> at, least yeah. they, at least they were able to retain that coach. <laughs> <laughs> McDermott gets to stay. How are you feeling about that? About him staying? Yeah. Oh, I'm fine with that. You wouldn't want Belichick. Why would you want the best coach of all time? No, I don't want Belichick. Really? I don't want Belichick to take over the why, roster. Why, why can't you wants. just? Why can't you? They hired hire, a DC. Why can't you hire Belichick as and, and pay him like zillions to be a special, you know, consultant? It seems like it would be a great role for him. When he's like tw- like 15 wins away from the all time win record. I'm. Uh, so so counted as wins, <laughs> but it won't. I, mean, I know. I mean, listen, Belichick is a top seven or eight coach 
at worst. A lot of people think he's still the best. Mm. Let's call it top seven or eight. No one wants to hire someone who's smarter than them. Uh, that's it. That's they said. What was Atlanta was about? Right? Um, that's why I work for myself. Oh, wait. <laughs> but but what I would say is this: is I think the whole you think Belichick can't draft is is utter BS because I would make the following case: that was a team, and then we'll move on. That was a team that had a bunch of draft choices. 25th to 32nd, right? So if you're at the bottom, I mean, the whole league is built to, for, for, for teams to be parity, for there to be parity amongst the teams, right? Think about how often a team stays on top. Forget making the Super Bowl. And how often does a team make the playoff? I mean, the Steelers uh, have a, an amazing streak of unbeaten or un, no seasons with losing seasons. But what's the longest streak to make the playoffs? And there's 14 out of 32 teams make it. It's not like it's hardly anyone. And it's like th- those. There might be what one team with seven or I mean Kansas City probably at seven or eight. Patriots is 11. That's it. Longest streak. Well, that yeah. I don't think that's current. Cowboys yeah. second longest from 75 to 83. Nine. Yeah, yeah. But if you if you actually look if you say currently though. And what's the oh, longest currently right now? It would be uh, Chiefs nine. By contrast, what was what's the NBA record? It's got to be like oh, some incredible number. Well, more than half the league makes the playoffs. So, but but we just said. Well, that's no, it's three. eight eight out of thirty. Oh, I'm sorry, sixteen out of thirty. Yeah. So yeah, more than half. But fourteen out of thirty-two ain't that far. Well, you remember it was twelve out of thirty-two for most of history. Yeah. Or I know, but now we're. But what I'm saying is, most teams have dropped. I mean, the Jets haven't made it for get, a, a dozen years. We're still not getting th- that current streak, other than you know Kansas City. Yeah. And what makes the Belichick streak even more amazing? Was it was when Brady got hurt in Game One and they won eleven games yes. and still didn't make it. But the point I'm making is when you take away the quarterback that is supposed to comp. I mean, look what happened to the Colts. Peyton Manning left for one year and they had the number one pick in the draft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So now when you take away Brady and you and the team is left with all these like number first round pick number 30, second round pick number 62 or whatever. And let's remember they were normally trading out of that first round pick. And they wow. were having a lot of picks taken away. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a roster that really didn't have by definition it was going to be depleted and it was going to take some years to turn it around. It was just missing on Mac Jones. Who can miss even if they would have had a competent good quarterback they would have won 10 games. Yeah. And they made the playoff and the funny thing thing is they made the playoffs like not this year not last year but the year before mm-hmm. and remember the year before or or let me think about when Brady came and won in New England that was Brady's second year right it wasn't his first year it was the second year yeah, yeah. the Patriots were like the Super Bowl favorites mm. after that and that was like week five it, or they were amongst the Super Bowl yeah. what I the guess what I'm saying is there was a couple of turns of the ball that went against them. And one, what I want to ask is who has the best record without a good quarterback over like three years? Like, who is that? Because I don't think anyone has a good record without. The only, the only team I could think of is Houston Texans had a long run of nine yeah, sevens. They were winning the division with Matt Schaub pretty but, consistently. But they, but Matt Schaub led the league in yards one year, so he wasn't horrible. No, that's an absolute fact. It is a fact. Yeah, but, they had, mean, but they literally made the playoffs with third string quarterbacks. Right, I mean, but they were making them at nine and like with yeah, the they were, they, yeah, they were yeah. in the cupcake division. Yeah, and, and their nine and seven is because I mean New England. You would say the East was one of the best. Yeah. So I guess the point I'm saying is it wasn't great. But if Mac Jones was as good as I don't know the eighth best quarterback in the league, 
right? Whoever that is in your mind. If he was as good as Kirk Cousins. Dak. Dak, for sure. If he was as good as Dak, New England's in the playoffs every year since. Sure. It's not even a debate. Well, and that's why I'm sh- like I'm shocked that Mike Vrabel doesn't have a job yet because I think, man, the Titans, they did all this winning. They were the best team in the AFC with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. Well, what, what Lombardi's been talking about with this, which I think he's right, these owners don't want to cede control. Like with Bel- they say Belichick wouldn't talk to Kraft sometimes. Kraft would want to like talk about something again. I'm not going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> so you know that guy's just waiting, thinking, "When well, this dude ain't winning no more, he's out of here." You know, so he Belichick made his bed with it, right? But if you're an owner and you're a billionaire, would you rather be 500 and feel like you got some say? Or would you rather be? Let's be honest, you're not. You don't guarantee a Super Bowl. I mean, how many Super Bowls does Vrabel have? None. None. So, or would you rather make the well, play? As a coach, obviously. Yeah, make the well with Belichick. Yeah. Without Belichick, <laughs> is so to me, it kind of makes sense. These people want to control their own team. Yeah, they want to have input. Yeah, and and Belichick and Vrabel don't want to give it. Yeah, they want to walk into the office and they want to say, "Hey, I think uh, I like this kid out of whatever school. Maybe we should look at him in the draft." And they don't want the head coach being like, "All right, thanks." Like. Well, get out of my office. Well, it's well documented, right? In in the movie, Do you have an appointment. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and in the movie Draft Day, remember where the owner goes oh, to oh, New York? I'm not sure. Is this the one we're gonna go? But go ahead. Well, I mean, like, <laughs> like and they don't draft Bo number one, and he's got the Bo's jersey, and like he literally throws it in the trash can. He's like, "Get me on my private jet plane. I'm going back to fire the GM." <laughs> What's your real quick? A little off topic. What's your favorite Kevin Costner movie? All right, we you know it's a jolly good time because we just did our second time shift. And what we talked about, just to tease ahead a little, was what is the last thing that shocked you in its quality and its greatness? You thought you'd get okay, but you didn't get good. You didn't get really good. You got great. I think mine was the best. And actually, AJ says some stuff that's very disturbing. I think it's fair. Wouldn't you say, Scott? A little bit. A little bit. Concerning, yeah. He's obsessed with Kevin Costner, but only if he's in a cowboy hat. Yeah, is, that fair to, is that fair to say? I do love yellow. I think he plays great in westerns. Do you ever see the movie he's in with Robert Duvall? Well, I don't know. It was set. Um, what did you think of? Uh, <laughs> what did you think of the one that was the uh, Lonesome Dove? Oh, I liked Lonesome Dove. A lot Dove. of people think that's one of the best westerns. Yeah. Like even though it was a miniseries, you ever see that? No. It, it it has a what's that dude's name? The dude that was um he he was in No Country for Old Men. He he plays the partner with him. Yep. Um, God, what is his name? His I know his character's name. His character's name is Gus McC- Gus McCall. Okay, exactly. Uh, he was in The Fugitive. He was the cop in The Fugitive. I'm just having a mental blow. You don't know who I'm talking about, Scott? The cop in The Fugitive. Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought someone. Might... <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't. He was. I'm looking up the movie No Country for Old Men, and he was like Wes McCall. I'm like, I don't think that's uh, his Gus. name in that movie. <laughs> Gus. <laughs> you, you've seen No Country for Old Men, haven't you? Mm, I don't think so. It's one of the best. Yeah. Uh, five. It's Josh Brolin, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the Coen Brothers. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. one of the five best movies of the last twenty years. Arguably the best villain. You th- yeah, yeah, I think you're fair. It's there's if you want something interesting, look at think pieces on YouTube about the true meaning of that movie. Mm-hmm. 
It is like far because it's McCormick or uh, uh, Cormac McCarthy. Cormac McCormack. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're Cormac. talking about the coin toss in the Super Bowl. That coin toss had slightly more meaning. Yes. <laughs> so I'm surprised son, you saw this movie. My son is he's doing like a dual credit thing, and one of the college classes he's taking is like a, a film course, uh-huh, uh-huh. and they had to watch that and do like a, a presentation on it. So he he went down the same rabbit hole you're talking about of like the, it's really yeah, interesting, very cool stuff. And the Coen Brothers are genius, truly genius. So. All right, that's what that kind of conversation, but AJ's weirder in it, and that will come at the end. <laughs> All right, Fed. So you said you think the 49ers aren't as good as they seem, and maybe if people look more closely, how they play lately is a problem. Yes. Yeah, so basically, they're playing Detroit, they're playing Green Bay. Both those teams are like four, three, four points better than an average team. The Niners were home for both games, and they played them both equal. That does not look that does not make me optimistic for their chances playing Kansas City, who's clearly better than those two teams in a neutral site. But the money is telling us right now it's backing San Fran. Yes. So this line dropped. It opened two and a half. Immediately go to one. Power moved to one. I'm like, yep, 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 yep. Kansas City. I, that was so obvious that the money was coming that way. And now it's it's roared all the way back where it is a solid flat two everywhere. Now, listen, I know that— what I like is when people are honest with themselves because we can always double talk our way. If you're smart, you you know, I always think smart people who fool themselves are the worst, right? Because you got enough IQ to fool yourself if you want. And it happens. You really thought, saying, now you could say things have changed. But let's be honest. I was very skeptical of your line where San Fran was going to be favored uh, or by – what was it? It was going to be uh, two. No, no. You said was it two and a half over Baltimore? Yeah, that's what you said. You said, but nope. Well, yeah, maybe yeah. at some point. What? No, no, no. Like four weeks ago. Because it's yeah, when we started. That, fair enough. Fair when enough. When we started making the Super Bowl bets. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I and I kept saying I because we're sitting pretty right now. Yeah. Lot, I mean, because we got like a plus two and a half we, on each. We got pluses on both sides. Yeah. It's all good. So and I think we because I think they were mispriced. I mean, we had. I yeah. think we were on it. But let's agree, San Fran, after that, really, if you start with the Baltimore game, what's been impressive? Because they didn't play the last week of the year. Nothing. I and, mean, and now, and, 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 we, and Purdy's gone from an MVP candidate. So this is funny. There were sharp guys, smart guys, that were asking, wow, do we have to look at Darnold in the second half? <laughs> I mean, think about this. He's an MVP favorite. And now we're going to replace it with Sam Darnold. I think that right now you could make the case that he is like Lamar Jackson was last week. That if you look at the body of work, yes. now I know Lamar has a bigger body of work. If you look at the body of work, you can say Purdy is very good, if not one of the top five performing quarterbacks in the regular season. Now against the elite competition against the Ravens, against the Browns to some degree, we can say it was raining or we could say that was one of the best defenses and now in the playoffs, he's been shaky. Though let's give him credit. In the second halves, he's been good. Yes, he could easily. I mean, Lamar could have brought back Baltimore. We could be talking about well, he didn't play well, but he came back. Well, we're not saying that you know about Lamar. We're saying that about Purdy. But he does seem shaky. Yes. And, I mean, no one has as many weapons as San Francisco. Now that Debo looks to be close to 100%, too. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I don't know. I think all that's a little overrated. I think it's. I think Shanahan is a the best offensive coordinator in the game. I don't think he's even a really good head coach. Mm. He seems tight. I agree with that. He seems tight. 
And there's something about oh, the end of the Green Bay half. As an example, it's like who does that? Who do, it's no, seven what, to six. Talk about your situation. It's, it's seven to six. Uh, the, San Fran has the ball first and ten on the forty-five, and they like they they pick up a couple yards, and there's like a minute and a half, two minutes left, and they're like tick tick tick. It's all we might stall. We don't want to give the, we don't give the want to give the ball back to Green Bay, so let's just take our, our sweet time. And they never even got into field goal range. And it's like, who does that? You're you're cross midfield. Worst case scenario, you punt the ball and you put and, and, and you put Green Bay on the eight. You try to score. You try to score a touchdown, and they didn't even try to score a field goal. Basically, they just ran the clock out. That tells me it's either Shanahan's always going to be skeptical of his quarterback, like he was with Jimmy G. In Great the point. Game, Same or, thing. Or he wouldn't wouldn't be if he truly had faith in him, and now he's lost faith in Purdy. Yes. Well, I, I think it's like I can't believe you don't think Kyle Shanahan's like one of the five best coaches in the league. Like that shocks me. I think. Well, here's the thing: if you name the best head coaches, let's not get too worried about the list. But it's going to be you know Belichick. Uh, and now he doesn't have a job, but okay, Vrabel, right? You might say Tomlin. Now you might say now. Let's think of the other suit. You know, we got the new breed, right? So we got the boy genius in L.A. We've got um, let's say Green Bay. And we got Sam Fran. That's the big three, you yeah. say. And Andy Reid. And Andy, Andy Reid. Okay. Yeah. And Sean Payton, I guess. Well, I think he's in there, yeah. yeah. All right. So here, all right, we got about 10 now, right? There are two distinct categories. One is they're play callers. And really, their value beyond that is sometimes questionable. And then there's the CEOs. Which Belichick ultimately was a CEO, meaning he wasn't calling defense. Mm-hmm. Though, again, he was very involved on the defensive side. He wasn't calling the game. So to me, Shanahan's ability to call the game is elite. That's why I think he is a great offensive coordinator. But could you even imagine him being your if you were gonna make if we were playing the aliens, Shanahan's the OC. There's a bunch if let's just say this. If we had him locked in contractually to be OC, we wouldn't lose him. You would have what, ten or twelve guys before him to be the head coach? No. Really? So I, I think we're like discounting. As, 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 I, I'm sorry, I, I want you to finish, but the point I'm making is you got his play calling. So now it's everything else. What evidence do we have he's any good at anything else at all? I mean, we don't. I mean, you're <laughs> right. Right? I mean, he's a great, because but, I would make the case when they lost their quarterbacks, they've had some of the worst years. You know, they had, they had Jimmy G, then they got hurt and he got the third pick and they what, got Bosa. What's Jimmy G been since he since he left Kyle Shanahan? But he left when he was oh he was broken down. But that's play calling. But it's also like the like saying that this guy who took Jimmy Garoppolo and now Brock Purdy to Super Bowls, mm-hmm. it, like somehow as a play caller. He's I mean, a, you know, he's been the head coach for both of them. But but what part of that head coach look like? Think about is he a better head? Is he a better play caller than most head coaches? Yes. Yeah, for sure. 100%. He's a better play caller than probably anyone on earth. But how much of head coach is that? And maybe that's why they've gotten far, but they've never won one. That's I mean, and I would make the following case: what he did with Jimmy G, where it was like, okay, we're done with you. You took us to the Super Bowl. Now you go play over there. We don't even want you on our field. And then when they come back and they say Trey Lance is no good from a preseason game, they said, we got to keep him. I mean, they said it was – now there's reporting yeah. it was on a plane or something. They were talking on the way back. And they, hey, Jimmy, uh, would you want to play here the rest of the time? I mean, it's like that doesn't seem – like why be – it's almost like McVay's the same way. They care so much that they get mali- – 
I would make the case that's probably been a mistake of mine in the past is when you care so much about something, someone you think they're messing up, it gets really hard to deal with because it feels like they're controlling shit. And it's like, as I've grown up a little bit, I've tried not to be that way. And I think I've done better. Right, Fez? Yes, sir. <laughs> would you agree with that? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, even when we would have our disagreements, it, it you never thought I was malicious towards you. You thought I was upset and you didn't think I was justified maybe or whatever. But it was like you can have good intentions and still be difficult, I think it's fair to say. Meaning when I say you, I don't mean you. I mean a and, and And, you know, the hard part is like you care so much that you hit a point where that now all of a sudden it's, it's kind of like you're the backup quarterback sometimes where you're like, I don't want to throw an interception. You start focusing on what not to do instead a, a, of what to do. A tight team. A tight team. And I'm, I'm like, like three years ago, I was reluctant to disagree with you. And then it doesn't come across as sincere. So it's not good radio. I agree. You know, where it's much better where just to use an example, like, like, like we're talking about all these different teams and you were saying that you didn't think Buffalo belonged in that category, but I was like, no, but I think Buffalo does. So I'm just going to say every, every time since I've been like, I just tell you what I think and I could be a hundred percent wrong, but it plays out so much better when I t- say what I truly feel. I agree. And, and, and all the times you've done that. I might have disagreed, but you've, you've gotten never been like you've gotten yeah. more upset at me than, <laughs> than I. Mean, I mean, like the time, the funny one with him was when he got so upset about that offsides. Remember he? Oh, yes, the Chiefs play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got upset yes, with all yes. three of you guys. Yeah, you were oh, screaming yeah. like, and it was like, what if is they re- didn't call that penalty, <laughs> no, it would be a non-issue. Not, the next morning, no one was. Tony's foot was offside. This is a travesty. They didn't throw a flag. But but it was like he was on roid rage or something. <laughs> I was. I went crazy. <laughs> and then you came back a couple days later. And you're like, yeah, yeah maybe. Was, I was. It's probably he has a big so foot. The, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I would make the case Shanahan gets so <laughs> intense. Bill Cowher was like that. The Steelers couldn't win the big game because he was so intense. It was like they were scared. And finally, you know, they found the right referees and they won against Seattle yeah. and he retired. <laughs> but my point is the Bill Ka- or the the Tomlin stuff. The um I mean, I think Andy Reid's a great play caller, but there's a sense he knows when to not get involved with the defense, but there's a sense he shows with work. I mean, I'm only going by Middlecoff talks a lot about he worked there for a while in Philly, and he said he works like 20 hours a day. He's, you know, he had tragedy happen, but he kept, you know, like there's a sense that they, and with Kyle, it seems like he di- he distances people from him. Mm. And, I, and, and I'm just looking from the outside. But doesn't that seem like it? Yeah, but I also, like, I think weighing in... People leave there pretty fast, man. The play-calling stuff, like, I, I feel like if I had a if I had my choice between a Mike Shanahan and a Mike Tom... Or a Kyle Shanahan and Mike Tomlin, a Mike Tomlin, who I think is a really good leader of men, a good mm-hmm. CEO, and I had to say, okay, one of these two guys, you, you can only keep one of them in your organization... Mm-hmm. I want the play caller. I want the. I think it's a very, I think Shanahan's a football genius. It's a very interesting debate about how important play calling is in the overall scheme of things. But in my hypothetical, Shanahan's locked in as the play caller. Yeah, and I, and I, I further, I don't think if we like like go to Pittsburgh bars and the players are talking, I don't think they're saying God. I just hate playing for Tomlin. You know, it's like, no. Which might be part of the problem. Maybe they should hate it. Like, to me, if the players like it too much, there's probably a problem there. And I agree with that. So this is very recent. So after Detroit lost, and the assumption was that Ben Johnson, the OC, was Mm going to go somewhere. He ends up staying with Detroit, says, I'm staying in Detroit. Wait, when did he say that? He said it uh, yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. 
yesterday, two days ago. Yeah, like he told the I commanders. Don't, I don't. I don't believe everyone's cannot, happy. For all he these told the commanders, fans. "Turn your plane around. I'm staying." Yeah, all these Detroit fans are ecstatic. I would be too. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, he come, hold on a second. <laughs> Coming in to this event, which somehow I missed, is he was considered the number one. Like literally, many people over Belichick. That if you could get anyone, you'd want him. Yeah. And he's saying, "I'm staying as a coordinator." Yeah. That that is amazing. Actually, it's an indictment on the Washington. Yeah, I, I think Scott, I think Scott's right. Where he's basically mm. saying, you know what, I I can be a head coach next year. Why would I, as a first time head coach, why would I go to a to to a stinky situation? Why is it a stinky but, but, situation? Yeah, that's the question. They've got, the, they've no got the second pick in the draft. I got no quarterback. I don't want to be a new head coach. With, well, see, with that's interesting. See, if you got the second pick, would you? You're not going to get a job with an, a top five quarterback. Like the Herbert thing. You really think about it. Is he top five? But what I'm saying is to have a guy at that level and have a coach come it's extremely in, extremely rare. It's yeah. rare. Harbaugh right. said that's the reason he left. Like yeah. he's like I, I, he I mean, was trying to but, leave but, for but, Chicago. But, but Washington has become I know new ownership, but it's become like a snake bit organization. I no, think but they, they've got a new owner. Yeah, yeah. And, and think about this: a year ago, D'Amico Ryan's going to the Texans. There was no quarterback there. And they had the number two pick, and right now that's a, a lot yeah. better job. I think the Washington, but Carolina, you could make the same argument. I think Washington, but, no, but you, you don't got you be... could have before, but now we <laughs> established. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think you want to be this guy in Washington. You want to be the guy after this guy in Washington because you want to give oh. new ownership. Ooh. You want to give new ownership time to to see what's going to happen. They're remember, build this a new owner, stadium. But this is owner, remember, this is ownership that own professional teams yes. and, and like the Sixers, right? So. Yeah. But they play in one of the worst stadiums in football. They're going to eventually upgrade for the facilities, have a new stadium. So I think in five years from now, the Washington Commanders are going to be a very but desirable. That's a kind of, job. But that's the kind of job that doesn't open, right? And if teams just have a lot of turnover these days. Well, listen. Here's what I know. Think about the, the the guys that became great head coaches, right? So we'll start with Belichick. How good was New England? Uh, I mean, I guess they were decent because Parcells was there before. Mm. But no, he was. But then there was, was Pete Carroll. He was supposed to coach the Jets. Yeah, there were Pete. <laughs> well, he can get wise. <laughs> Pete Carroll was there, and it wasn't great. He came. I mean, it's rare. The guy that comes in after Bill Walsh, he might win a Super Bowl, or after Jimmy, Jimmy Johnson. Johnson yeah. But it, I tell you, it's there's not a lot of people saying Barry Switzer was an elite NFL no. coach. Jimmy's team. <laughs> <laughs> so and Seaford, you know, with Bill Walsh. Yeah. So. I don't know. To me, Washington feels like one of the better – other than – and I would make the case Washington is better than the Chargers because – not because of Herbert. He's a, a top-10 quarterback for sure. The question is that ownership group, they 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 stretched themselves a little bit to pay give him control. And, but they're still known as mighty cheap. And they also – the Chargers are in cap hell. The uh, commanders aren't. Because they, they, they shot – yeah, yeah, yeah. True enough. And so unless you had reason to think the ownership was going to be bad, I think you can make the case there's a question mark there. But there's no reason to think they're bad. I don't think they're going to be bad. I just think it's going to take a couple of years before you start to see. Well, it's going to take a couple of years for him as a coach sure. to get comfortable as a head coach. Like Jimmy Johnson, they were 1-15 his first year. How long do they stick with a first-time head coach if he has three losing seasons oh. in a row? Well, that's why, like, what happened with Matt Rule, if you can get six years, if you're in demand, and he, Matt Rule was, you can get six years, which is actually a huge difference because they're willing to kill you or fire you after three if it's a five. Five year deal. Well, you're going to get four if it's a six year <laughs> deal, unless you do really, really bad. Matt Rule bad. Then they just pay. And again, Tepper's a different level of billionaire. I, I'm shocked. So that does that open the door? Who are they saying now? They're not because Mike McDonald got hired by Seattle today. Yeah. 
Oh, so the Ravens Zimmer's DC. back, huh? So, oh, thank you. Zimmer's back, Zimmer's back then, right? With uh, what I'm, the the, uh, the Dan Cowboys. Quinn. Dan Quinn. Quinn. Dan Quinn. Yeah. Why am I think, oh, I, you know what it was? I'm sorry. The Minnesota Zimmer. They were talking about who um, who was it? It was who Green Bay should hire. As their and defensive they, coordinator? Yeah. They hired Jeff Halfley. They did. Boston College had The coach. head coach from Boston College left Boston College in the middle of the recruiting cycle to take the D.C. job in Green Bay. Well, well you know what he said? So they, they, they said, or somebody close to Jeff Halfley said, that the current landscape of college football oh, I like he's that. so I, disgusted with right now because it's not about coaching. Mm-hmm. It's about fundraising. Mm-hmm. With NIL, you have to get the transfer portal. You have to get the money from the boosters. To you have no authority kids, over the kids. And it's not about coaching these kids anymore, so he wanted to make the jump to the NFL. I mean, is it is it a coincidence Nick Saban leaves after making the playoffs? Yeah. I, mean, it's, I mean, He sees the writing on the wall. And yeah, Coach K could have stayed. I mean, it does feel like the, the other generation, this is pushing. Because, listen— my best friend has been in college football for 20 plus 25 years. It's nonstop. I mean, he's a he's like a director of operations, like, you know, he, the guy that, you know, he's like the guy that runs all the operations for these teams. He was at Kansas for a long time, Kansas State. And um it's like Back in the day, before all this, it was this kid's uh, got suspended. The, you know, like so. There's going to be all. What do you got? Like sixty kids or whatever that you care about. There's more than that on there, but you're focused on you know whatever your core roster, your yeah. core roster. And it was nonstop then. Now you it, then the recruiting they extended it. They made it longer and longer. Now every player is up for grabs every year. Yeah, there's fact, no off season. It's a lot harder job. Than an NFL head coach. And I mean, you've been around it enough. I mean, he was with Dana Dimmel in Houston. We've talked yep. about that before. Is and you were close to that program. Did you ever? You ever have a pass revoked there? Never or? had a pass. Revoked. <laughs> I'm still welcome at those games. Okay, okay. Is um, it, it it's a situation where the recruiting. It's it's brutal. I mean, they are like you're driving, especially if you're Texas or Oklahoma. You're driving like four hours to go stay in a crappy motel to go to a high school. To, I it's mean, not even about that anymore. It's not even about going and sitting in a kid's living room and talking to the parents and pitching them on why they should go to your school. Now it's just about making a phone call to an agent and saying, "Hey, we got two million dollars to offer you," and then and then they're going, "Oh, well, you know what? We got three million from this other school, so we're going to go there now." NIL changed everything. But isn't that only with the top top? Like if you're um, North Texas State, mm-hmm. I know that money means something, but it's going to be still the old recruiting, don't you think? Sure, but the level of talent, yeah. I mean, you're not getting anybody. And you're not getting and, four and five stars. And yeah. if you get anyone, they're gone the first they're, year. Yeah, yeah, of course. And if, you, and if a three-star gets good, that's really so you If you have a three-star, you have no incentive to have him play as a four-star because then he's gone, right? I never even thought about that. I mean, it, and it's like that. Those people, North Texas or whatever, are trying to pull up from whatever, whatever's you know, Division yep. One double it's a Juco. Or, yeah, you're trying to get JUCO transfers and 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 yeah, Division Two guys or FCS, whatever. And I totally get the players want to aspire up, but man, it it feels like that 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 if you can't, if you don't know who you're rooting for, it's the fun thing about something is like when I was watching every play 
every preseason play of the Steelers, what was fine when you'd see a guy just make the roster, but you saw him playing preseason. Mm-hmm. Then he gets in and he makes a tackle in week four and you feel invested in it. Right. Right. And now it doesn't, it, it, in colleges, it doesn't seem like that's possible. No. Like you think we'll ever see a Vince Papali st- uh, story again where the whole city embraces one guy? Yeah. <laughs> Refresh my memory. Which one was Philly, that? the guy walk on, he they tried out, the made the team. Invincible. Oh okay. oh, okay. Oh, okay. He made the Eagles and then the whole city's yeah. know, for the guy. It's interesting. I mean, like you're seasons. a college person. How much? I mean, I know it's a lot more work trying to figure the portal and all that, but do you think it's affected fandom? Oh, yeah. To what, in what way? I mean, like, there, first of all, now there's no, uh, like, the old, in the old way, there was, you had five years. You'd redshirt a year and you played four years mm-hmm. at the most. Now some guys are staying around seven years. Well, COVID was part of that, too. Yeah, but, uh, but, even I mean we're pretty well past the COVID guys now they should be cycled out but well no I mean let's think people missed 2020 2020 was the was the first yeah. year so yeah it's, so think about this the the quarterback for Oklahoma State just got a waiver to come back for his seventh year of college football mm. so like when you're excited about some freshman that you recruited <laughs> and then th- this guy gets his seventh year and now that freshman's leaving it's like. What the seven years of college? It's down crazy. the drain. Like, I, think, I think the real issue is like there was a legit conversation this season as to whether or not it was financially smarter for Caleb Williams to stay in college mm-hmm. or be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. I mean, think about that. There was a financial you conversation. They, you think they win some games? Yeah, a financial conversation. Do I stay in college or be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft? Damn, he just went radio. Yeah, that was good. That was good. It sounds like I, I was listening a little bit of the fan. You could back after this. <laughs> We're NBC Sports Radio overnight. <laughs> I know I don't have any guests, but it's two thirty in the morning. What do you expect? <laughs> Did you ever, did you ever, did you figure you were being listened to? Obviously, there were people. It was national. Yeah. But, but do you, the suits were they? Was anyone listening to even a tenth of it? Um, it depends. It depends where, because we were on. I was on in Boston, one of the major stations in Boston. Okay, because what happens oftentimes is they'll cover it up during the day. Yes. Because it's a big city, but at night. It, yeah. It, you so get there's, clearance. there's two major stations there. I was on one of them. So the program director would be listening on his way into oh, okay, okay. work. And so it's like, not the suits from my yeah, yeah, yeah. you know network, but a suit at one of the top 10 stations in the country. But really, their choice to take NBC yeah. was about... The, it's financial. Was, yeah, but finan- it's always financial. Yeah. But correct me if I'm wrong, it was about the quality of the shows that they would actually take because ultimately that's what mattered. Yeah. Right. So, oh, if yeah. they had a problem with me, they would yeah, say, "Hey, sure. listen, like we got a real problem with this guy. Like we we need to do something about it." Or, yeah, or like Jake, we don't want to take this anymore. Like the people who do overnights, you actually get a very dedicated following because you got a lot of shift workers mm-hmm. and and they sit and listen all day. Truck drivers, they, they, they love Jonas Knox. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, well, he J- had such a, a late night following. The same truck drivers listen mm-hmm. to him calling in every time. Well, JT the Brick had something similar. Yeah, and then they moved him. And I think it screwed things up, but because he had that fan, you know, it was like mm. a ten to one Pacific situation, and then they'd replay his first hour mm. at five a.m., which was nice because mm-hmm. you get commuters at five a.m., you yeah. know, and they still got clearance because most local shows don't start till six, if 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 even then seven sometimes.
sometimes, you know. So I imagine how big the city is, I guess. Yeah, I mean, and think about how many stations that I was on that might have been, uh, you know, like an, an, an ESPN affiliate where Mike and Mike was going on at 6 a.m. Yeah. and I was going and I was on at 5 a.m. before that. You could have done like challenges to him. Like, <laughs> I bet they won't answer this question. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Golick, if that is your yeah. name. Yeah. Is that your brother, really? No. <laughs> uh, that, well, it's always funny how so much comes back to Mike and Mike because like Scott Shapiro who runs you know the operations at Fox now there's a man who listens to every all the talents he he listens a lot (laughs) oh yeah no doubt Um, (laughs) but um, you know he was the producer on Mike and Mike do you know who we have on SOVAM coming up Scott Shapiro stats oh really oh that's awesome talking 49ers listen he knows his stats but he was the he was the assistant producer there at the time And he was the first person to like my stuff. So, I mean, it really opened the door. I One of my favorite moments, though, it was um, maybe year three or four, I was doing the Wise Guy stuff with Colin on ESPN. And they were seriously thinking about when Golik, Golik was going to leave, uh, putting Mike Greenberg and Colin together, mm. which I think would have been very interesting because – Greenberg is one of the best op or technicians ever. Yeah, yes, he can go from this to that, and he's he's unflappable, right? And he has sometimes he's got emotion. Usually those guys are robots. He's got some emotion. Well, Colin can handle the robotics of it just fine, but he's an opinion guy. Yes, and the idea of those two would have been interesting. So they did a whole week, like I think it was in the during the playoffs that year, and so we did our normal Friday segment. But I got to. You know, do Greenies things, but I had probably been mentioned on Mike and Mike thirty or forty times, but I had never done the show. So they R.J. Bell said blah blah blah. So finally, when it was Greenberg's, he goes, "All right, R.J., I got so and so." I go, "Mike, I got to tell you, I've been waiting for years to get a hold of your picks." I go, <laughs> <laughs> it was just, a, it was fun, it was fun. But he was always nice. He was always nice to me on Twitter. He seems like a. I know there's always things about everyone, but uh, you meaning oh him and Golik had trouble. Apparently, they weren't talking. What the last year or something. They, it's hard they would, to do a show together then. <laughs> no, but th- I mean, literally that, that was, some, who was that? Kevin and Bean? Like they were famous. They were like a Howard. No, not Kevin and Bean. I'm sorry. Who am I thinking? Mike and the Mad Dog. No, well that too, I guess. But um, it was the Howard Stern people. It was Howard Stern. And then the guys going after them. What was the name? Opie and Anthony. Yeah. Yeah. You've heard of them, right? <laughs> they were like a, a junior Howard Stern. They apparently didn't speak for like a couple years at the end. <laughs> What could it be about that be that intense? Sometimes it's money. Yeah, I did. Actually, a lot of times it's money. You like one's getting paid more than the other? Sure, sure. Oh, that's interesting. Contracts are up at different times. Somebody gets a renegotiation. The next person comes up. Oh, the budget's different at this time. And then, you know. Well, if you look back with the Jackie stuff on Howard, it's very interesting how much of that was money. Mm-hmm. You know, because they and Howard didn't like Jackie, would always want to have long negotiations and. Fascinating stuff. All right, well, but radio's dying. It really is. I mean, it's like to I still w- love it though. I mean, I'll talk radio and radio history any day. Oh, that I, I agree. But but when they keep increasing the like one of the things that Fox again they had to do it and to give Shapiro a ton of credit. He had like three assistants at one point. I think he had none at the end. So they were cutting, but he had the same work to do. Right. So the guy was working hard and is. I mean, I'm just you know not talking to him. Uh, you know, daily or whatever, or even, you know, weekly now or even monthly. But um, even then, I think I, monthly was about it. <laughs> but because it really was. At the beginning, we would talk a ton. And then it was like he just got so busy because he kept losing assistance. 
They're used. To, I don't think that's changing. But the, real quick, the point I was going to make, and and then jump in, is when they had to add an extra minute of commercials after we mm-hmm. had that many. It was six minutes on the first break, and again, it had to happen. And every station's or every uh, network. syndicator network's doing it, but it really. And then when you come out from seven minutes and there's a read, it, it's like yeah. uh, you're what, reading another commercial. Yeah. Yeah. At what point are you going to, you know, it's like, but that's the catch 22 when there, it becomes a death spiral, mm-hmm. you know? And I think all of, I mean, unless you're in a, a, a big city that has a rabid following, Boston, Dallas, Philly, there's yeah. a cut, you know, I think it's tough. I mean, even LA struggle. Yep. What you got? I was just going to say, like, when I first started hosting at ESPN, uh, you know, I had a producer a board operator mm-hmm. and like an intern screening calls and whatnot. And then at the end, you know, which was right around before COVID there's no producers anymore. It's just the board operator. So it was just like you and the board operator and the board op was your producer yeah. and call screener. And it's a uh, show booger. They, they cut at, 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 Everyone just cut. Now calls. this was at ESPN 100. No, national. Or 1000. Oh yeah. Okay. So, and, and, and local in New York. Yeah. Okay. Because I, yeah, I mean, last thing is when I, I had been doing Mason and Ireland in L.A. for at least three or four years before I visited them. And I was shocked how small it was, except then, and this has been like seven, eight years ago, maybe a little bit more. They had like at least, you know, there was uh, David Singer, who was uh, a great or yep. is a great guy. Yep. I think he's at I think he's at uh, NFL Network now. And then um, they had, you know, obviously Mason and Ireland, the talent but they had a board op they had one person doing jingles and like getting and 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 they had like two or three interns so it was like and i thought well this doesn't seem as big as i radio does have the ability the yeah. theater of the mind but now that would be like the biggest show in the world if yeah. that's not on tv mm-hmm. because i mean it's like if it's not on tv but colin has like 40 or 50 people going because it's tv it's on tv yeah that's a whole and that's interesting too is it a tv show is it because yeah, it's a fascinating stuff. Hmm. Did you guys happen to see Stephen A. on Bill Maher? No, I listened to him on Stern, though. Oh, I didn't hear that. What's he doing all the press for? Uh, his book is now out in paperback. Okay. He was shockingly good on I mean, I don't want to say shockingly because I think he's super talented. He was great on Bill Maher. He dominated. <laughs> I mean, I just saw the overtime, but I don't. I think he was the first guest, so he wasn't interacting. But he dominated. And he wasn't rude about it. He waited. Yeah. To, did you see the overtime part? No. Yeah. I, it, it, I mean, let's just say this. If there's anyone on earth that can argue, first take gets you ready for it. But he, it really, you think politics – would be more intense. He actually was better than he. He was a better getting his point across. I think than than the other ones were. He did this last week. What you mm-hmm. said. It, what you said wouldn't happen. Say it again. Guys who uh, national media guys shitting on Lamar, like they were pretty hard. He was hard on him. Shannon Sharp was hard on him. I, Colin was hard on him. I agree. I agree. And and the ones and I was wrong about that. I'll admit that. You're right. There was some criticism. But the analytics nerds, the ones watching, the ones watching the tape, which is a different group, they still said, "Oh, he had some good." Th-. They still will tell you no matter what, what you see isn't the truth. No. But you're right, you're right. The general guys were hard on. At some point, you have to be ten right? points. Yeah, you can't hide from it. Yeah, it's a good time to segue into it, and we'll keep. Well, let's do this. Let's finish going around the horn with that. And we'll go to Scott next, then AJ. Go ahead. Well, I wanted to come back full circle to the go. Ben Johnson conversation. Yeah, uh, there were people on Twitter who were saying, the Lions fans who were saying, we have to fire Dan Campbell 
and promote Ben Johnson to head coach. That it would be a bigger deal to lose Ben Johnson. And, and you know, Lions fans love Dan Campbell. He did something that they haven't done in forever. But they realize there's Ben Johnsons are harder to find than Dan Campbell's. Then why hasn't anyone done it? I they tried. No, no, they haven't. Who, when has anyone ever fired a successful head coach to keep a coordinator? Oh, no, I thought you meant why no, no, didn't someone try to hire Ben now Johnson? Now you know what I'm talking about, though. Why hasn't that ever been done? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's, in, it's an interesting debate because you're right. The value of a play caller, how much is that compared to a great leader of Because man? the correlation coefficient, this is the... Corporate America, you keep hiring someone to become incompetent. The Peter Principle. Yes, the Peter Principle says, who knows how good a head coach will any great coordinator be? You don't know? And I I think you're absolutely right. But I also think the following, this is what they should do. They should create a new thing where there's not one person at the top. Yeah. Because the amount of money they're making, if they took that coordinator who's now the best ones are making five, six, seven million, if that guy's making 17... It doesn't mean very much to them, to that billion-dollar company. And you could justify actually saying, hey, the best coordinator in the league should be paid the same as half of the NFL head coaches. I w- if you're differentiated, yeah. But here's the thing. Let's look at McVay. What did they do with him? He was super young. It was early to give him the job, but they brought in Wade Phillips, mm. who was like the head coach in a way, but he wasn't. He was the head coach of the defense. Mm-hmm. What was the difference? One guy had the title. One guy had been a head coach. His dad, you know, a long time in the business, so he didn't care as much. But he was getting paid the, a lot. Why not create the? Hey, if you're a Fangio, maybe you get that too. But like the idea of saying, let's pay the coordinators this. Now the question is, just like on the Sopranos, you've got to have one guy that makes a decision. This is not a, you know, uh, tribunal. This is one per who makes the decision, mm-hmm. and there can only be one of them. But boy, if a guy got seventeen million instead of six, it make it make the leash on head coaches a lot shorter. I can tell you that. But it would let them focus on what they do best in a weird. It's true. Some of them. Yep. Because I think every team should have a Mike Tomlin and a Shanahan. <laughs> It'd be nice if you pay enough, you could get them. Well, the it, problem it, is, there's only about five of each of those guys that are worth a damn. In but the if league. you pay enough, you get them, right? <laughs> it, it wasn't unusual in corporate America, for instance, for the most successful salesperson to make more than the presidents back in the back in the '70s and '80s. But the mistake they would make is they would make that guy the president eventually exactly. and take him out of his great. Ju- That's yeah. right. I mean, it's like radio. I mean, the, usually the talent is making more than program directors oh, okay. more often than not. Yeah, like they're making more than their bosses. That's just the way yeah. the business works. They, the bosses are still assholes oftentimes. Though. In, lo, in local radio? Oh, yeah. Have you ever met a local radio guy that doesn't bitch about their boss? Wait a minute. <laughs> I was a local boss in radio. <laughs> well, that's a good example. <laughs> but right or wrong? Yeah. There, there, wouldn't you say there's more discontent in local radio than any industry? Yes. <laughs> All right. So we got Fez's. We're going to Scott. What's the one takeaway? And with you, Fez, it was the 49 the truth of the 49ers isn't as 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 appealing as it seems. Look closely at the recent results. Yes. And I would make the case the defensive line is the center of that because you had Detroit with an injured center with a guy out of guard that was control- great point, just running right through him. Scott, you're up. I think scoring first is the most important thing to both of these teams in this game. Mm. Uh, the 49ers are 10-3 and three this season when they score first. The Chiefs are 10-1 and one when they score first this season. And it would not shock me to see the winner of the coin toss in this game take the ball. 
because scoring first. Uh oh, uh oh, no. Let's see what the bet is first. What do you think the bet is? He said it would not shock him. I said it would not shock me. I didn't say I'm guaranteeing it or yeah, putting well, money on guarantee. it. Well, <laughs> I mean, what, go ahead. What were you going to press it for? So. I'll I'll bet nine hundred to win a hundred. I'll lay nine hundred. Oh 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 oh! Now you got to. Oh take yeah, that. I'll take that bet. You yeah, got to yeah, take yeah, that. There it is. That the winner of the coin toss. Okay, you say defer. All right, so yeah. let's be clear now. The winner. You're saying the winner of the coin toss uh, before the game will not take the ball. Correct. Now you none of they neither of them have taken it once all year. Not once all year. Okay. I still think nine to one. Nine to one. I'll take it. It's great. I think tell you about this. Uh-huh. So they deferred all year, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and they've made the Super Bowl. Oh, let's just shake things up and I do something. Well, and you new. said, and you said yourself, Shanahan plays. He's a relatively tight guy. He's not going to go off brand. Yeah, but they've had to come from behind in both of these playoff mm-hmm. games. Because against San Fran, they but they both took the ball. Yeah, I think they had to come from behind in right? both of these playoff games. Don't. I'm saying it would not shock me, and I'm willing to bet one to nine mm-hmm. that it would not shock me. Like Kyle Sounds Shanahan like you were to bet one to two. So says I gave you a hell of a price. Kyle yeah. Shanahan says, "Hey, listen, we've." We started from behind in both of these playoff games, and we narrow we om- we almost lost both of these games. We got to score first. We're ten and three this season. When we score first, we're going to set the tone. We're going to take the ball and score. The Chiefs also think about think about this. I mentioned the ten and one when they score first this season. They're one and five when they don't score first this season. So they don't want to play from behind. Their offense hasn't exactly been the old Kansas City Chiefs offense. It's the defense that's been leading the way for both of these teams. Super Bowl history, 37 of 57 teams to score first have gone on to win the game. I think so, the first possession for both of these teams is the most important possession of the well, game. Well, a couple points. So 37 and 20. Uh, this is a prop that you can bet. Currently, the odds that I saw from memory are team that scores first is minus 165 to win the game. To win the game. So it's not, it's not you know, some horrible tax. Mm-hmm. So let's think about what the lay price would be on the history in the Super Bowl. So it's... Um, 37, 57 is way more than minus 165. I'll do it. Let me do yeah, it. and as he's doing that, let's consider the following. Whatever the historical inclination or, or uh, frequency is, it's going to be higher now yeah. because scoring is just up. Mm-hmm. I mean, up over the history of the Super Bowl. So mm-hmm. implied odds on minus 165 is 62%. All right, and 65%. what world are we in that I'm hearing from AJ? Implied odds like, are that was excellent. I can't believe and it. And historically, it's been 65%. Okay. Okay, so there is, there, there's an, there is an overlay. If it if it if it does continue, I do want to ask Scott. Do you agree with me? The odds are better than history. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, so San Francisco though did not score first. They didn't. They they have not scored first in the playoffs. But they're two and zero. Oh. Is that any concern from that? It is no because of the way that both of those games have ended up. And I think in hindsight, they would have been better off scoring first. If in Kansas those City games. was in either of those situations, Kansas City wins the game. So I think it was the weakness oh, of the offense. That's, that's a good point. If, if if San Fran plays another game like that, they're done. So well, if they Kansas get down City. fourteen nothing to Kansas City, it's probably over. I mean, he, he went his whole career without coming back in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's right. and they should have been down three possessions in the third quarter if Dan Campbell didn't go for it on the fourth <laughs> down instead of kicking the field. No, no guarantee the kicker makes it. No, that's true. But that's let's true. just say if he does, do the 49ers come back from three possessions? Probably down? not. Probably not. Yeah, but the fact they got up ten, it's yeah. kind of funny how we always say you can't. It's like the mindset. You know, it's like what Brady did. He, he just kept scoring. Oh, yeah, they, they, they dominated the third quarter. Shout out to Fez, yeah. who gave out 49ers third quarter before the game started. So Wasn't it fourth it, quarter? No, no he, third. 
Third quarter. So. Oh, it was Kansas City fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. That one did not get there. Boy, that talk about losing a bet where a team, I mean. Oh, that, that, it, that sucks when, when the team covers every which way and you and yeah. find a, a way to lose. <laughs> uh, one, one, one point also that I like about Scott's idea here is that there's an underlying theme that pros pretty much play a whole bunch of minuses, like minus 165s, and the public loves to bet a little to win a lot. So they're looking to bet things that are, you know, plus 150, two to one, three to one. Now, the classic here. Here is the three consecutive scores. That's the one that the pros always go to war with the public. The public says. So what's the typical line on that? Typical, and what's the line this year? So the line this year is the same as it always is, and it's like minus 165 on the yes, plus 145 on the no on a 20-cent straddle. So just to be clear, the uh, extra points or two-point conversions don't count. They don't count. But everything else does. Field goals, touchdowns, safeties count. The more scoring there is. The more chance there is that there's going to be three in a row. That that that's right. And the public looks at this, especially on a game close to pick 'em. They're like, these are two pretty equal teams. It's going to be a close game. Uh, so no way a team's going to be able to score three straight times. And the truth is, there's been plenty of low-scoring games in the Super Bowl that were close games, where this ha- still happens. And I always use like the, the poster child I'll throw throughout two games. I always use the Tennessee game against the Rams. Low-scoring, close game, twenty-three to sixteen. Both teams scored three consecutive times in that Super Bowl. Um, there's just a close game, San Fran, Detroit. That'd be an interesting prop. Yeah, that would be a good one. 34 31, close game, right? San Fran scored five consecutive times in that game. That'd be interesting, too, putting prices on four, four. or five. And yeah. turns out four is where the kick is where it really flips. So even though three happens all the time, four is a pretty big underdog because you only kind of get one kick at the can. Because even once the team scores three in a row, if the other team scores, there's usually not enough time to get a streak of four together. Yeah. Um, so a couple things about this. Uh, let's look deeper at how t- – because I did a study on this exactly, which is specifically how the Chiefs and the 49ers do if they don't score first, if they are losing after the first quarter, if they're winning after the first, second and third. So this is really saying how good are they at coming back, mm-hmm. right? Because they both won a lot of games, so they're going to probably be winning games. So now I've got just the regular season, Scott, so I think our numbers align, but I'm just going to talk regular season for a second because um, I, I have all the teams because I like to see where a team fits in the scheme of the whole league. But since some of them don't make the playoffs, you want to keep it to the regular season, I think. But then look at it separately, you know, in the postseason. But I have the Chiefs right now scoring first, uh, winning eight games and losing one. And I got the 49ers when they score first, uh, 10 and three. Yeah, I got 10 and three. Uh, the Chiefs, It's t- I added the two playoff games, yeah. so that's why 10 and one. Okay. Now, if they don't sco- score for first, I've got the Chiefs at three and five. And I got the 49ers at two and two. So... Really, neither. I mean, I don't think there's any big difference there, right? Uh, two and two is what I have for the Niners. I had the Chiefs at one and five. Okay, so you might want to double check, and I'll double. I can double check that too uh, after the show. But oh, no, 10, uh, 11, 12, 13. No, no, yeah, three and five. You're right. Okay, cool. Because uh, I forgot to count the the playoff wins or whatever. Three and five is right. Yes. Uh, no worries. Now, okay. now that's surprising to me. So it turns out I got I got two elite teams, and you wouldn't think it would be that onerous that they don't score first, you'd still think they'd win more than half their games, but they don't. Here is the best of all the teams. This is the best. The Ravens were 5-1. Five and one. The Rams were 5-5. Five and five. The Colts were 6-4. and four. And the Bills were 5-5. Five and five. 
and no one else had more than five wins. So literally, the Ravens at five and one is in another. The only teams with a plus number, the only teams with with a better than five hundred record when they don't score first is the Ravens, the Dolphins, and the oh wow, the Saints were six and five. That's shocking. That's three, right? The Bengals, or I'm sorry, the Colts. So that's four, and that's it. So I think it's a pretty compelling case to be made for, especially if you can find the public betting of the plus on this prop. Um, I already leaning minus one sixty five will probably get a better price. Also, isn't that amazing though? The idea that, that five of thirty two teams just the first score dictates yeah. if you win or lose. Yeah. So I gave this trend out last week, and I'll up and uh, well, they were tied after the first quarter last week, so this hasn't changed. But since Patrick Mahomes became the Chiefs' quarterback, they are fifty four and seven straight up. When leading after the first quarter, wow! All right, now so that's how important it is for them to get out to a lead early in this game. All right, so luckily I've got the first quarter numbers, mm-hmm. and uh, the Chiefs are eight zero this year when they have the lead after the first quarter, and they were undefeated last year too, nineteen and zero in the last two years. Now check this out though: if they're not leading, or no, I'm sorry. I had the pushes eliminated, right? So in this case, it, you know, so if you tied, I don't even look at it. It's as if you're losing. At the first quarter, one in five, the Chiefs. That's so so, so that. if there's one, if there's one theme, don't try to get cute and play contrarian in your same game parlays or or in your like double results of team to score first and win the game. Don't be betting like like uh, Kansas City to score first and San Fran to win. Yeah, but this is kind of shocking. The 49ers... Okay, no, they're nine and two when they're leading, and two and two when they're not. Yeah, all right, and that's against you know, obviously these teams are playing elite competition now in the Super Bowl. So quickly, let's look at halftime. So when if you're leading at halftime or not, with the Chiefs eight and two if they're leading at halftime, one and four if they're not. Okay, and then the 49ers eleven and two at halftime, zero and three if not, and that's regular season. Right, and I got the third quarter, but that's not as interesting. So, if you actually look, I think the first quarter is the one that's like potent because the first score. But if you're losing in the first quarter, you're losing, right? And so I put a Z score on them, which is just a way of saying it goes from minus one to one. Minus one means you're not. You can come back. Actually, that you're not it really the higher the score, the more you're hurt by being behind, right? So minus one would be the best team. Uh, well, that'd be one standard deviation is minus one. Okay, so which means like sixty-seven percent. All right, so the 49ers have a minus point four five, so it means they're better than average coming back, but just barely. And the Chiefs have a a point one five, which means they're below average coming back. By a smidge this year. Now in the prior years, yeah, that yeah. wouldn't have been. But the it's case. a different offense this year. What yeah. offense? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, if you really think about it, now if you look at after the first quarter, the Chiefs are point eight, which is starting to move towards like the 60th percentile or even beyond of bad. Like the 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 percent of teams are better than them coming back, and the 49ers finally here are minus point. Seven. So the 49ers look like they come back better, which kind of would— They just did it in two playoff yeah, games. That, but <laughs> before but that, we yeah. would But the M.O. has been that Shanahan doesn't come back. Okay, that's yeah. interesting. But also, the 49ers are the elite offense this season. The Chiefs aren't. 
Mm-hmm. But see, let's get to that debate then. Do we? I know the easy answer is well, we got to blend both. And the, blah, 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 blah. how much do we look at this Chiefs team being a different team? That 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 they that with this is. You mean from now to like four weeks ago? Yes. Completely, 100%. Make the case. Because now they're relying on Isaiah Pacheco running the football. Look at his carries over the last several weeks. Rashi Rice has emerged as the number one th- receiving target. And Travis Kelsey mm-hmm. has... Found act- youth. He's acted like... Now, I've made, this, I've made this comment in relation to the NBA with a lot of teams. And I've always felt, you know what, like... Teams like the Warriors or the Lakers, whatever, like the good teams in the NBA, they know they're going to make the playoffs. So there's times during the regular season where take me two games, whatever. We're going to take a night off here and there. We're not going to play hard. Guys aren't going to give it their all because they know the playoffs is what matters. It felt like seeing Travis Kelsey over the past two weeks in the postseason, it felt like to me he made a conscious decision during the regular season to preserve his body so that he is healthy and and fresh, for lack of a better term, here in the postseason because he looks like a completely different player than he did for 17 regular season games. It was nice that he finally got a complete week off instead of flying to Rio de Janeiro or where, whatever the heck he went. I on agree his, with that. But it just feels like it feels like the Chiefs were like you know like I'm not saying you, you never take a game off, but that, like, we but, know we're going to make the playoffs. But it's like. He didn't go as hard as he's doing now but in the that playoffs. Weekend, but not yeah. playing at all week yeah. 18. He clearly has come back revitalized. Yeah. And, you know, if, I would say if now two weeks. Yes. And now, you know, I, what I would say is that if there's – I like to identify good stories, all right? Like, like who do we have to bet this week if we like them because it's just going to keep going higher? Because you want to find the stories because you think it's going to get public money. Yes. And who is the public going to bet? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think what are the, the, the bets – Kelsey the MVP. The Kelsey – they're going to bet pro – well, they're going to bet pro Kelsey. They're not going to bet MVP because Mahomes is God. But they'll bet Kelsey over for, for reception well, Anyone that's going to let Taylor Swift affect who they bet doesn't know that, that Mahomes is God. Right? So I, <laughs> that's a good point. Um, and I think I think on San Francisco's side, because Debo looked so good last week, I think it's a little more complicated. But I think if there's one player that's going to take money, I think it's Debo Samuel over for his reception. See, I would have thought Christian McCaffrey. I, he did get almost all the carries, and I agree with that too. So I think C-Mac is going to take the money on his Yeah, well, McCaffrey's too. the lowest priced non-quarterback. I mean, it's, it's Mahomes. No, oh, you're talking about just for pop. But yeah. you're right across the board. The MVP market. And the you know, the rush yards for, for for McCaffrey and the pass yards for Debo and and the pa- and rush and receiving yards for Debo. I think that's all. Do you guys agree with generally going to take public money? Yes. Yeah, overs do in general. Yeah. Right. I would say with the MVP, keep in mind it's a vote, and people have. There's a lot of divisiveness with with Purdy. Yep. So and I, that vote ends prior to the game ending. So uh, <laughs> remember the whole Aaron Donald yeah, thing. I do because yeah. I had Aaron Donald. <laughs> what was it, thirty to one? Um, I just want to take a minute and look at the most extreme. Because Fez, I think we're missing something by not thinking about this during the year. Check out some of these numbers. Okay, these are the most extreme cases of teams that are bad if they if they don't score first. Mm-hmm. Denver Broncos, five hundred team, right? Owen seven if they don't score first. I mean, who would have, and, and when they score first, eight and two. You know, the beauty of that, it's, it's pretty darn easy to bet. You just wait for someone to score, and in then ga- you bet the in-game. I mean. Right? I mean, they don't have to do anything. <laughs> We've got um, the Vikings. Pretty good team, right? They were right around 500. Yep. Two and ten if they don't score first. Ooh. Five and oh if they do. 
the Washington Commanders were bad, right? But they were one in, they were three and three when they scored first, one and ten when they didn't. I think they scored first against Dallas. Maybe not. Maybe Dallas. That game's still mm. in the most. Yeah, they did. They were. I think they were up ten. Yeah. That were, um, the then the most sensitive team to being behind the the Patriots. So I'll just I'll just rattle these off. When they didn't score first, they were one in ten. When they were losing in the first quarter, they were one in ten. When they were losing at halftime, they were one in twelve. And think about it, when they were lead when they were leading in the first quarter three and zero when they were leading at halftime three and one. Just turn the TV set off at halftime. <laughs> I would have thought the Jets in that conversation too. Yeah, good de- about, good think, defense, bad good offense, defense, bad offense. That's you the know, kind of teams you like, Jets like actually it. are above average. That's, that's interesting. Wild. They were uh, four and two when they scored first, three and eight when they didn't, and that's actually not bad mm-hmm. relative to the other people. And uh, three and two when they were leading after the first quarter. But they were three and eight when they weren't. Well, actually, you know, the four and two and three and eight, I think um, that is still skewed towards you know more of the same compared to the league, right? Because we said that the for the league, it was what was eighty sixty five percent. AJ, you said yeah. Remember what I I adjusted for how many what the win percentage of the team oh, was because oh, okay. I figure yeah. hey if if you're eight if you won eighty percent of your yes, games but you're five hundred yes. in a given spot you gotta that normalize it for, yeah yeah so okay that's interesting so AJ. And, and, and now the question is, and next week we're going to be talking about the execution of the props. I didn't tell you guys we're going to have a prop contest. Love it. You got to pick three of them next week. I like that. All right. And uh, also, we're doing a prop a day on Straight Out of Vegas. Ooh, Straight Out of Vegas AM. Check it out. When I does heard that was a hit. Do you, do you guys take days off? What, what days is Straight Out of Vegas? I it's can't Monday, remember. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Thursday. Yep, yep, I think that's right. Say it again. What, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Thursday. Yes. I've got it. That's very logical, yes. Can right. so so I ask Chris about one of his props? But i got to tell you, you got when you do that Friday game before it's Friday, I bet your picks are really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fez, so one of the props we discussed on SOVAM was the length of the shortest right. scoring drive, right? And like being timed. Being timed, yes. And you are a proponent of the under 55 seconds. Over 55. Oh, excuse me, over 55 seconds. Now, I got to say something. I thought you gave this short shrift before the show. Mm-hmm. So I want you to, I mean, he's working hard. Think, I think there's something here. So really think on what he's saying. So my question is, because we gave it out to the audience, and it's since been juiced, right, AJ? It's like the, the juice has gone It went from minus 115 when Fez first uh, alerted me to it. To minus two thirty now, same number, Is that same good? number, fifty five. So if I listen to S O S O V A M, you got that at the original price. Correct. Nice. Well, not the original, but at a good Close. at a good price. Yes, compared Close. to what it is now. Yes. My thought is, can you hedge that bet and possibly scoop by betting the over on the longest touchdown scored? And here's my thoughts. So, what's the number? Forty yards, forty and a half yards. Now, here's my thoughts. The only way you lose in over 55 seconds for a shortest scoring drive would be if there's a turnover and the team has a short field or... Kick return. Big kick return. That's uh, not kick, a drive. Kick, kick return That's a special count. team score. 
Kick return does not count. Not a drive. Oh, wow. That's not yeah. a drive. It's not a drive. We Def- have just conf- like defensive touchdowns. We have don't. confirmed all this. Yeah. Okay. Yes, and defensive touchdowns don't count. And this is part of the reason why this prop didn't move like crazy. Is it's ambiguous, right? Like, like, wait, wait what, what constitutes a drive? It, it, I they, see. they should have included that in the, yeah, it's under, because then they could have made the number like 38 seconds or something. Yeah, exactly. They would have gotten a lot more action. And actually, on the internet, one of the sharp guys um, on Twitter was like, oh, I can't be betting something like this if I know I'm going to have to con. If I'm gonna have to contact a lawyer, you don't. Know, if I don't get paid, and I'm like, or you could just contact the sports book and ask what the real rules. Are. So here's my thoughts: the only way you lose the over is if there's a turnover and the team has a short field that could lead to a quick score. Well, or it, it's a majority. I mean, yeah, yeah. Or if there's a long touchdown, one of the shortest drives this season was the first play of the game for the Texans when C.J. Stroud threw a 75 yard yep. touchdown. So. Why not bet the over on longest touchdown and the under on the short? I mean, excuse me, the over on the shortest drive. It makes complete logical sense. I think it does dovetail nicely in that if you had over bet the over fifty five and a half, let's let's say you normally bet two units and you bet eight units. Okay, so I, so over bet the fifty five and a half as in. What the shortest drive is going to be? Yeah, yes, time wise, and then be like, oh, I bet my balls off on this. I really over bet it. And I'm like, well, this is the perfect hedge because you can scoop. You know, it's like it it, 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 it it protects your bet in almost all cases. And you still have an excellent chance, even if there isn't the 55 and a half second drive. Yeah, you, you, can, you, can still, get a 40, you can get a 41 yard get, touchdown without having it be a, a less than a minute drive. Of course. So I so I think it's brilliant as far as a really good anti-correlated way to play. I'd like to be able to. I think we want to research that 40 and a half number, which I haven't done yet. And I want to make sure that it's a bet I, I at least lean to. As long as I lean to it, I think it dovetails beautifully with the other bet because I love making two bets that are both good or one bet that's like break even mm-hmm. that hedges another bet that's great. So, so let, let me jump in a second. Let's, we're rattling off a lot of numbers. Now we're going to shorthand. So let's be clear on these bets for a second because this is new. I mean, the Super Bowl is the time that this stuff's offered, not often, right? So the over-under in yardage makes sense, right? Is how long is the biggest touchdown play? And again, does that one include? Does that one only line of scrimmage? No, that includes everything. Okay, which helps the over in theory. It makes it even easier to scoop both ways. Yes. Now I remember the average number in this used to be like forty-nine yards. I, I mean, I distinctly remember that. We're down like almost ten yards. Yeah, that's a good point. Right? I mean, I remember this is, this it was is like, a really low number. Yeah, I mean, it was 49 and a half. Because I remember, and you know what? RJ's bringing up a great point. I think this is all, all the reason why I like this even better. Because I remember, and RJ, you probably remember also, there used to be a prop which will be the longer, the longest touchdown or field goal. Or the longest field goal. Mm-hmm. I know it's close to pick them. Yeah. And so, well, the longest field goal is always like 47 and a half. Is, is always what the over and under would be for that. Yeah. Right. So the longest touchdown had to be a comparable number. So this is, this is as low a number as I've seen on longest touchdown, which ma- makes the over attractive. Over 40 and a half is minus 108. The under 40 and a half is minus 112. Okay. Longest touchdown yards. So I would usually say when AJ's rallying on about something, but he's been strong today, so I won't say that. But I can jump on to Stathead and see what the count of plays. Oh, and it, this won't. Ha- I guess I could roll in punt returns and kick returns overnight, you know. But I can get line of scrimmage plays. How many were over this? Even if it wasn't a touchdown, it's an interesting question. How many plays? Because explosive plays. But it has to be a touchdown. I know, but to get to get up the sample size a little bit to say, how, listen. 
if you have, if one team has, let's say the average, I don't even know what the average would be. Let's say there's 10 plays in a season that are over 40, 41 yards or more. If Kansas City has 14 and San Fran has 14, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if they were touchdowns or not. We're thinking they have more explosive plays. Oh, I see. Yes. Right? I'm oh, just trying to get a feel. Just, I agree. The correlation between the explosive plays is going to be right there with long touchdowns. So are they more than the league average? That's the question. And you want to look at their defense, what they give up. That's a good question. That's a good point. Um, by the way, don't be mistaken. Explosive plays are a technical term. That it's 20 yards, so we're not using it that It's 20 yards on a pass, and it's different on runs. Some people do 10 yards, some do 12, whatever. But that's a technical term you'll hear people talk about. Mm-hmm. This we're just saying explode, as big plays, maybe. So, yeah. so the fact that – I love the fact RJ reminded me that, hey, this is a low number. Mm-hmm. You know, so now I'm getting – now, now I'm thinking. So this is over. a bet that more times than not you're going to split. So I want to quickly hear from you, Faz, and then Scott, tell me if you agree – what is the scenario that you you get scooped, you lose both of them, and what's the scenario that you scoop, and let's see which one seems more likely. Sure, you get scooped when you fumble on your own 10-yard line. All right, so you're going to fumble, and then they still got to score, right? Yes, but they, but you know what? They're going to get – you need two stops. You need to stop them two, on two plays. And you and, and you're in, I think you're favored to score – if you're on the 10-yard line. You only got to start them for one if it's like 45 seconds, right? No, two. two. Oh, it's, I guess you're yeah, right because the first two. snap would come as yeah, zero. Yeah, so they're favored. If they throw one incompletion, you're done, though. One incomplete. Well, you mean they get a second play. You're not done. Or they get a— th- first, first down, they run. Uh-huh. And then it's a 35 seconds. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So it's a 35 seconds. Come on. That's a great point. And then second down, if they throw an incompletion, then third down is—you um, need them not to score, and you need to stop them in the field of play. Yeah. Well, yeah. no. I think if if they run, if the clock runs once, and it doesn't run twice, but they're normal plays, I think you're pat. I mean, now you'll lose. You'll and lose. remember also the forty nine. Let's think. Let's we got an open question right now. So right. let's take a second with that. So we're saying thirty five. Yeah, I guess you're right. So forty second clock. Forty, and then ten. Let's call it forty seven and, and seven. Seven. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're going to lose. You know what? You might steal it because the because the fourth down the field goal might take four, three and a half, four seconds. It's it's too close to call. Oh, and let's be clear. In these days, a lot of people will go for it in that spot, which you'd want them to. Yes. But a field goal counts in this. Yes. Any score. So if there is that turnover, sometimes you'll see a turnover in the Steeler game, and then they'll get like one yard, one yard incomplete, and they kick an, a field goal. And like, yeah, oh, you could still win. You could still win. Two runs and two yeah. runs and you win. Yeah, if you could keep but, them out of the end zone. Now, I will say this. The, the 49ers and the Chiefs have been great. Not, or 49ers have been good. The Chiefs have been great not turning the ball over. Yeah. yeah. Which helps this bat. Yes. So, the, so the way you get beat here is because of – it, it, because what you're saying is you have to have a short drive that doesn't have a touchdown play that goes over – 40 and a half, because if it does, you at least get the over, right? Right. So it's usually going to be, or it could be a, a long kick return that gets tackled on the 10 or whatever. Although there's only supposed to be three kickoff returns. Okay, now this has been a rambling, gambling one, I guess, we'll call it, is AJ started hitting us with some really strong stuff, but it was very prop-related, and it was very potentially same-game parlay-related, so we moved it over to that special pod we typically do, which is all about one handicap. And we're going to have that baby come out on Friday because we got some time. So look for that. If you're not subscribed, if you're not subscribed, subscribe now. It's free. By the way, Feds, I, I love promoting it this way. 
AJ came in, originated this, and you've put already like almost 5000 bucks on it. And that was you saying, let's put a tester out there and see about more. Exactly. That's how strong it is. I know, AJ, you don't believe it. Like, AJ, is this really ha- like, this guy's gotten <laughs> that good. And, and then he was quoting impli- implicit win percentage. I mean, it was like, do you ever see the show Limitless or the movie Limitless? Yeah. Are you taking that RZT thirty or whatever? I would. That was a good. That was good. Yeah. But what about when it was killing you after? Yeah, I'm gonna die one day anyway. A lot quicker on this yeah. thing. <laughs> that was. A, I like that movie. Very good movie. De Niro. Yeah. I read the book. I didn't know there was a book. Yes, there was. And guess what? It was better now. <laughs> I tell yeah, you, dummies. <laughs> I started listening to Godfather on tape, mm-hmm. or you know, just like the audio version of it. It's not good. The guy does like a fake Italian accent. He goes, how could you do that, Don Corleone? And it was like, what? <laughs> All right. Everyone's had their say. I haven't done mine yet. Let's go. Well, you had your big production. It was like cleared his throat. <laughs> <clears> throat> All right. He tapped the lectern. All right. So what, are the, what is different about the playoffs? As you talked about how different it is, right? Well, let me tell you, most of the time you're playing winning teams, right? And usually if you're a good team, when you play a winning team, you take it seriously. Let's think of the Baltimore-San Fran game, right? It was a one-sided game, but that was a serious game. You're on national TV usually, which remember, in the NFL, most games are not on national TV, right? That's a weird thing. It's such a big sport. Like NBA, I mean, well, I guess when LeBron plays, it's probably somewhere national, most of the time, right? And with LA, yeah. but but a lot of you know, I guess that's why they have the ticket. But Monday night football, Thursday night, Sunday night, those matter. The big four o'clock game matters. All right, so usually those are games like against winning opponents. So I thought let's break this baby down and say how does t- this team do against winning opponents? That's all. Not five hundred, but better than five hundred. Okay, so this is what we found out. The San Francisco, uh, let's see here. Let's start with the 49ers. All right. They are 7-2 and two against winning opponents. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. Their margin, straight-up margin, 11 points per game. But here's what's impressive. Their ATS margin, 5 points per game over winning teams in nine games. This is all regular season? All regular season. Now, the Chiefs. Six and one against winning opponents, but their margin ATS is only a little less than a point, so not as good. But here's the number. Here is the like, oh my. In the over under margin in Chiefs games against winning opponents is under by eleven points per game. So when the Chiefs play a tough opponent, which we've been talking about conservativeness from Andy Reid, when it's like this team, we got to respect them. They tend to, and not to mention lately, they've been even more running the ball. I mean, let's think about this. The Buffalo game against KC, did that go under by a half point? Yeah, went o- it went over. Yeah. Over 27 24. Okay, so. Second half went under by half. a half a point. Okay, and so 51 was it? Yeah. And what was the total? 47, I think. Okay, so with crazy Josh Allen. Sorry. No, no, no. With crazy Josh Allen. It went barely over, and then the Baltimore game was a dead nut under. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so let's call that a split. It is a split. Mm-hmm. But then you look at the, otherwise, 
it's still the, the it's about ten points a game because the I mean let's think the Baltimore game was what seventeen ten yep so twenty seven the total was forty four and a half yeah so that it still goes way under this is a trend that matters in my opinion you got a coach that knows what he's do- meaning he's not changing every week Andy Reid's Andy Reid and it's kind of like this when you have two high scoring teams two plus two can equal five when you have two low or not low scoring but conservative teams it feeds off of each other. And I think Shanahan – I mean, really, what would be the more conservative – who could be a more conservative matchup? Andy Reid versus Shanahan. Could the case be made that Shanahan's the most conservative, good coach, coaching a winning team in football? Is Tomlin more conservative? It's funny. Tomlin's so left and right, you never <laughs> you know. Never he goes, know. For, he goes two. for two. Yeah. So, but I would say, yeah – I would say I see yeah. you added coaching a winning team. So that's yeah, like, well, that's Tomlin. That's that's the easy part. Um, I mean, Todd Bowles very conservative though. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to imagine them being in the Super Bowl, but they were. Well, I mean, they you could imagine it not that long game. ago. Yeah. I mean, what I'm saying is with Brady, it was yeah. the same. I mean, because Arians was conservative in that way. He liked long passes, but he wasn't going for a bunch of fourth mm-hmm. down. So yeah, there's a couple old two guys, but this would be one of the top conservative matchups. Yes, clearly. So to me, with the Kansas City defense being as good as it's been, and with the emphasis on the running game lately, I think all in all, I'm not sure what over to attack, but if you're not saying this game is not going to likely play to the average scores because of that whole 2 plus 2 equals 3, I think you'd be right. What do you think, Phil? I I agree, and if I can suggest, with the Kansas City team total sitting at 23.5 and San Fran 24.5 and 24 being such an important Mm -hmm. number and me leaning to Kansas City anyways, I think I'd look towards that San Fran under Mm -hmm. Mm 24.5. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the question is, it's always about is the VIG adjusted in a way that compensates for it? It usually doesn't get adjusted enough, does it? No, it just becomes mathematical. I tell you this, I did a little work on something. I'm just going to get, I can't give all of it till I'm done. Mm-hmm. But I was looking to say, okay, what, how do we find enough? Like, at what numbers does the break point come? Like we talked about this a little bit is if it goes to 43 and a half, right? Is that's a sit or, or even let's say 39 and a half. If it's a pick 'em game or so and you got two teams under like 19, you can. Like, just mathematically, it's very hard to make it where the over is not a good bet. Yeah. And I, I looked at a couple of those spots, and I found a couple that were, like, 60 or 70 plays in the database, like, in that range. And it was, like, 62 63% to the side you'd think on the half times and different things. Now, now remember, and you know this, yeah? so the public's going to bet everything over. They're going to bet team totals We're talking over. about Super Bowl, for example. Super Bowl, everything. You know, so because of that, it's very rare if you're going to play a team total under that it's not correct to wait until kickoff mm. because the books are going to be like, ah, we got $5,000 position on the over, all public money. So let's go ahead and, and adjust and go. We'll go to 25 or whatever on the San Fran team Boy, total but, but or the VIG. Much, move but, the VIG. But how much less is, is, I mean, I think that 23 and a half when you're actually standing to benefit, yeah. Here it's that asymmetric risk, right? You're risking 24 to get 25. Well, I might get plus 105 on the VIG. Well, but another thing. It's not going to go to 24. 
And if it if it, it's well, you only, just told us to wait for it. I, I said, well, I'm playing under, so I want Sam, I want to play San Fran either I, under 25. Oh, oh, you're saying you don't see? But if if they knock the total two points, the big boys knock the total two points. That's all coming down. I I agree with that, but there'll be a delay because it's a derivative bet. So, so but now if, we're asking people to wait and say. Check the screen every I, hour. I, I could just tell you, I've played team totals under early in the spending yeah. cycle, and I've always regretted it in the Super Bowl because I've always, I, I've always gotten numbers. I can't believe how good, right. like plus one ten on so under. So this is you're saying the Super Bowl is a is an extreme case. Yes, but you, we always try to balance it. Is if you if you're sitting and looking at the screen all day versus you're not. You're yeah, saying yeah. if it gets hit by two, I'm going to go bet the derivatives quick enough. Right. For, forget I will, but I, but forget all that. Just, yeah. just just drink some beers and ten minutes before the game starts. You know. Open up three bucks, and you're going to get a really good juicy under on both teams, team total. What's your sense of where this is? Go- Where's the spread going to end up? I think it's staying at two. So you don't see it going up or down too the much. The pros are going to bet a zillion if ever went to three, and yeah. I think the I think I think the money's going to pour in on San Fran minus one just because of the the public money. No, because of the the, the, the math stat geek guys use rate, if they wait the regular season the same as the playoffs, it's going to spit out San Fran should be like a two two and a half point favorite. Is there an effect of San Fran with all the northern legal casinos in Reno and all That's that? That's a great point. So probably Atlantis and Peppermill are going to see skewed numbers. Because it's San Fran's closed, people go over. Yeah. Yes, also— And that would be where San Fran would be more expensive. Also, I think— Do you agree with that? Yes, Okay. very much so. And I, I think that also that— he And I'm not certain of this. I think San Francisco more fans are going to attend the Super Bowl because they're wealthier fans, to, they can afford it, and they're closer proximity-wise. And maybe I'm biased. I actually went—you know this, RJ. I went to one preseason game, San Fran Raiders— and there was more San Fran fans at Allegiant than there were Raider fans. And and Kansas City, this is old hat. And at some point, yes. if you're in a bunch of Super Bowls, you don't travel. But Vegas is appealing, so you know. But it's very expensive. And to you go just to did the it game. last year. But you, yeah, usually yeah. rich people aren't as loud though. So in a That's weird a way, point. them being there, yeah, are they gonna are they gonna be like Kelsey, the brother with his shirt off, drinking? Yeah. But if Detroit had made it. I mean, people would have cashed in all their unemployment checks and gone to the Super Bowl. I mean, it was a once in a generation you what know, did situation. He just say? No, you heard. I was it. like, I dig it. You I heard mean, it. it. That's sad. Ew. From Dayton, Ohio, you think you'd have more in common? Collar towns. I know you didn't. None of that took with you, did it? I Fez am, makes I me look the, like I'm so the, the grandson earth. of a union organizer. Do you know? Listen to this. Listen to this. You're from New York. He brought this up. I didn't bring it up. A union organizer, that means mobster. Yeah. I mean, like, you don't understand That's, that. You're no, Easter. That was before. <laughs> no. He, did he work directly with a guy named Mr. Hoffa? <laughs> <laughs> now, Fez, can I, can I ask uh, about a bet here? So rather than doing the team total unders, right, what about the prop bet, any team to score 30 or more points than no, minus 140? Hmm. I think it's... A prop I would absolutely look at, but it's another. Remember, the public loves betting pluses, so that's a prop where I think I'll wait and wait for the public but, but to bet the plus. Let's, let's do this. Let's pick games separately than when to wait. Yes, because I mean, it's like we're talking about it now. The odds of bringing this prop up next week is. Slim. I, I like the under twenty four and a half way better, and and the way better than either say. team. To score the only 30. number, the only numbers that that I get screwed on was San Fran's twenty seven and twenty eight. They're very unlikely to score twenty five, twenty six, or twenty nine. So there's only two key numbers that keep them away from thirty. But why not instead of laying minus one thirty five on the under twenty four and a half? Why not minus one forty on 
no team to score because 30. Because they got another team. Got they got another team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> another team but could get 31. KC's only scored 30 points three times this season, and no opponent has scored 30 on the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. So here's what I would say. If you like the under, you also probably like, in my opinion, the under the 30, you like biggest score to be under, like, what is it, 14, 14? Like, what's the, the largest lead of the largest game? Largest lead under. The largest lead, a lot of disparity. Okay. I've seen 14 and a half, and I've seen 13 and a half. Well, that's a huge difference. Huge difference. 14 is such a key number, yeah. So I would like under 14 and a half yep. with, mm. with no team to, with score, no team 30. to score 30. Because I think yes. these – because San Fran can come back. We've seen that. Kansas City and Mahomes, this year they haven't been great coming back, but – they got a pedigree. I agree. Right? If it's a close game, I don't think anyone gets the third. But you know, don't thir- play under 13 and a half. Yeah, I'm seeing yeah. 13 and a half is what the number is. Yeah, but I saw 14 and a half somewhere. I can't remember. Yeah, it, so, it might have been Caesars. And they obviously skip 14 because they don't want to push it. Right. right? They want to have a result. Yeah. All right. So we got a lot to go because we did some time shifts. But any closing thoughts? We're not even closing, but till next week, we got to talk about? Yeah, yeah, I had one more that I approached Fez with. Off air, go ahead. and I wanted to uh, to get his. It really hit for him. Go ahead, go ahead, go it. ahead. Though <laughs> the eighteen straight times the team that scored last in the Super Bowl has also won the game, and the team to score last, yes, minus two twenty. That's sixty nine percent implied odds. Uh, and when you're talking about eighteen straight, now Fez said, nope, the number used to be lower, but like, what should the number be? I wouldn't look at the last. Like I, I think I would look at the last Super Bowls, but I, I think I you got to go back and research like every NFL game, and I think you're going to find that minus two twenty you're paying an exorbitant tax. Okay. And like I said, I, I used to make this bet at minus so, one eighty and minus one ninety. Okay, but the question is, what's changed? Well, I've got a short sample with the Super Bowl, so I don't know if I got a big enough sample to trust. If, if I mean, obviously, but in general, we think the lower line. Increases the chance of That's it good point. of it of it not happening. In my lower line means a closer game. Whoever a scores clo- last wins in a close game. Yeah, yeah. And there's not garbage touchdowns at the end. That's right. Right. The garbage touchdowns what kills you on this problem. Yeah. That's and. I would make the case, the thing that concerns me is if you're down by 21 and you get the ball with three minutes left, you're still going to try like hell in the Super Bowl. In other games, maybe not as much, right? Yeah, well, just to use the conference championship games, yeah. this, you would have gone 0-2 with this prop. Baltimore mm-hmm. scored lost, last and Detroit scored last, just to throw mm-hmm. it and out. They so, were fi- and they were fighting. Yeah, so, so the problem with this prop is if a team goes up 10, you're, you're actually um, you're really up against it. You know, that that um, especially the way Kansas City plays, if they get up 14, they're perfectly happy. Well, they suck the air out of the yeah, ball. Yeah, suck too. the air out of the ball, mm-hmm. give you the, the last score with you know, a minute to play. And we like the under, something we'll look at next week, or at least I do, the same game parlay idea of let's assume Kansas City's got the lead. All right, mm-hmm. so let's bet them to win the first half and then go under in the second half. Yes. There's a lot of things to do here, I think, with this. Here's what I would say, AJ. If there's a bet, tell me if you agree with us. If there's a bet that's been out there for years, they've pro- it's not only been shaped up this week a little bit and more as the week goes on, it's been shaped up over the years. Yeah. Like, because this is every, the, all the in- intellect of the sports betting community in aggregate is looking at these numbers. And there's some serious people running the models, and they will move these things if they're wrong. So, And then these books aren't dumb. They don't open where they opened last year. They make their adjustment off the close based on the teams. Would you agree with that? Exactly. So you're paying a $0.30 cent tax, and now maybe you could argue, well, it should be a $0.60 cent tax. It's possible. 
Well, I mean, um, it's won 18 years in a row. I, I know, but, <laughs> but my, my friend Aaron and I were screaming at each other like like last year because he was laying minus 210, and it opened like minus 195, and I'm like, God, you're getting to this so late, and a one again, you know. And he's like, I don't want to. He's like, I'm going to bet it again next year. You know, what, so, so here's the question: What is it about the Super Bowl that would make this more likely to cash? Teams step on the other team's throat; they don't let them back in. Okay, which so, is logical. So they extend the lead. Yeah. All right. Boy, I wonder how different is that than the NFL in the last five years? Like, yeah. not many teams let – so maybe that di- – I, mean, I think defense, like, in blowout games that aren't the Super Bowl, you see defenses kind of back off, Start like, you know, you see mm-hmm. you see those garbage time touchdowns. Offenses have gotten really savvy when you're down 10 at kicking that field goal, like no, Ram-style against not the, the intellect darling <laughs> Dan Campbell. You have Dan Campbell. Yeah, yeah. All right, you know, we didn't – let's give – let's close at least before the time shift – I more debate about game time, you know, in-game decisions than I think I've ever heard right up there. What was your takeaway, Fez? All right, I got to take the four key decisions. I'm gonna <laughs> put them all through. So to be you fair, you ever see Doctor Strange Love? How I stopped worrying and learned to love the bomb is uh, George C. Scott stands up and goes, "I got a few points to make." He goes, "One." Then he talks like for a minute. He goes, two. And then finally he goes, and five. And he t- <laughs> Go ahead. I have five points. <laughs> point one, Detroit was a big underdog going into the game. Okay? They're seven half point underdogs. Mm-hmm. So the mantra of Dan Campbell all year is be aggressive, go for it. Very logical. Increase variance. If you're the underdog. If you're you the underdog. Right. So, what's the, so, so the game starts. Boom. Everything has changed at the end of the first half. Now he's an eight-point favorite. So now he doesn't want to. He should not want to increase variance. Now he should be. You're up by 14. Oh, you're saying even in game, you're an eight point favorite. You're an eight point favorite at this point in time. So now, end of the first half, he's on the three and a half yard line. He has about a three sevenths chance to score a touchdown. Expectation wise, it doesn't matter if you kick the field goal. Wait, wait, wait. Three sevenths. That's BS. What do you think it is? Well, here's why. What is the conversion rate? About 50 50. From the two. I oh 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 you're talking about the first half one. Yes. Oh I misunderstood. I thought you were talking about the field goal one. So did you agree or disagree with the first half one? I agreed with the field goal because I I, agree. I don't think it changes the expectation of points any, but reduced variance. I'm an eight point favorite. Uh-huh. Why Not should to it, mention the momentum. That in late in the half, you don't gain by if you miss it, you don't, you don't gain them being backed position. up. So it's all a matter of expectations on this drive, and the expectations the same. What's reduced variance? Boom! You go into halftime, you're up seven. And momentum, I agree. You guarantee 100%. a three score lead. That's yes, yeah, that was a short, short field. I I agree with that a hundred percent. All right, fast forward six minutes to go in the third quarter. He has like a fourth and two from the thirty. Mm-hmm, all right, mm-hmm. and his team's up fourteen. Now, same situation. I'm an eight. I'm still an eight point favorite. Kick the field goal. It's not certain you make it. Try to make it a three a three score game and reduce the variance again by going for it on fourth down, which he decided to do. I don't think the expectation of scoring is any different, but it, incre- it increases variance. You don't need to increase variance. You're an eight point favorite. Uh, I think there's a couple things on top of this. One, San Fran just kicked a field goal off the opening drive of the right. quarter, so psychologically to set them right back to where they were, I think mm-hmm. is meaningful. This kicker, though, the thing that's got me swayed a little bit is if you look at his career numbers, 
He's actually like fifty five percent or something from yep. the which is you he's gotta, been much better over the last four seasons. Yeah, you got and if it's four seasons, I didn't know that. You gotta wonder why is he your kicker if you yep. can't kick a forty five yard field goal. Remember we talked about him, they they changed him out like he became Still, the kicker about a, but, four or five weeks ago. But that means you thought he's one yep. of the thirty two best kickers in the world. And the top eighty kickers are gonna make a forty five yarder more sixty percent or more. I agree. There's there's a lot of depth of kickers out yes. there, I promise. Because think of how few they enter the league in any given year. Every year, there's all these kickers in college, and like two make it every yeah. year. So there's a lot of them. Yeah. Okay. So I disagreed, but I don't think it's like a horrible mistake. Uh, third key decision. Now everything has changed. San Fran has the lead. They're a three point favorite. They're up three. Mm-hmm. Detroit's driving. They got a fourth down. Now the script has changed. Now the 49ers are again the favorite to win the game. Now I need to increase variance. So I liked that he went for it fourth and two, whatever it was, in the fourth quarter at that point. Because what good does it do? You, you try out your field goal kicker. Even if he makes it, you're still big underdog to win the game. But here's the question, and this is what I brought up on Straight Out of Vegas AM, and let me hear what you think. Mm-hmm. If they make the field goal there, they each likely have one possession left because of the time. Mm. If you make the first and go down, you could kick a shorter field goal, or you could uh, score a touch, but, t- then, but, but in either way, they probably get the last possession. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't. I didn't. It's an excellent point. That could well be the difference. It's close again. Yeah. It's, but I. I just love the. If I had bet San Fran on the money line, I'm uh-huh. like, please God, kick the field goal. Because and you. But oh, sorry. No, you go ahead. Yeah. I was gonna say RJ brought this up. I think on on straight out of Vegas too. There's something to. Brock Purdy, who's a guy that you don't know what you've got in him, you, you'd like to see him in these pressure situations, putting him in the pressure where it's a tie game now instead of you've got a lead, you can just sit on the lead. And at that point also, I brought up that you had to give your team a win. You had just allowed the 49ers. Like a micro win. A micro. Yes. You had, just allowed, the, you had yep. just allowed the 49ers to score three unanswered times, right, mm-hmm. to then take the lead against you. At that point – you got to just get your team back on track, tie the game, let them go on defense with some excitement as opposed to being downhearted after not getting that fourth down conversion when what happens, the 49ers score a touchdown, and now you're down two possessions. So I say tie the game, give your team a little bit of a win, hit the reset button, and then, hey, final seven minutes, it's anyone's I, game. I think you can make a case for both sides. Again, these are all close calls. The only decision, obviously, everyone agrees with me, is running the ball when you only hit, when you have, when you have three timeouts left. Dreadful. It's dreadful. Yeah. Literally, it's, it's, and that's a situation. And we've spoken about this all the time. Where literally, he's got to have his, his analytics guy well, saying then taking the timeout. Yeah, you cannot take the timeout. But he has to say, say, coach, we got we got to throw. We cannot run. I mean, your analytics guy has to tell you that. Well, what Lombardi says is that's what the head coach got. Doesn't matter who's calling the plays. The head coach, like Belichick, again, that's always the model to me. He will say, no, 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 we got to run here. So, like, you're in a way, if you're not the play caller, you get a chance to think about these yes. things more. And the yeah. play caller is going to be a little more tunnel visioned. But mathematically, you, you benefit more if you're the Lions from throwing an interception than from running the ball and having to use that timeout. Like you've got a better well, chance to scores though. Yeah, you have I mean, a yeah. You're making an extreme case. Yeah, but I mean, well, at least the better you, chance would have been just kicking you're, the you're, field goal on well, third down. I, I, or whatever. I, 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 I would think have been a better analogy earlier. A, be- a better analogy yeah. would be you would be um, possibly you could you could make the case like spiking the ball might be better than than running yeah, yeah, the ball. Yeah, yeah. You know, Every, oh for sure. Yeah, everyone agrees with that one. And so again, that was the only one that it I was had. a big mistake. The big, the big yeah. Here's my question, just to leave us all pondering. 
I know you don't want to be results oriented, but we're now multiple years into this. There's one faction that's all about going for it. And there's other factions that aren't. Where, other than the Philadelphia Super Bowl, when they surprised Patriots, when I mean they won that game because of their aggression. I, I mean they really weren't the better team. They just won it because of their. So it was like you you changed the theory and you actually won a Super Bowl off it. Right. But now that everyone's caught up, the no, even if you're not aggressive, you know what people are doing. Hasn't it been a huge failure? Like net net in the big games, the biggest games, it seems like the more aggressive teams lost more than they've won. Gosh, um, tell me the game that sticks out. They won because of aggression. Was Atlanta too aggressive when they blew the lead against New England? Somebody, I think a lot of people said they were. Well, remember back then, no one was really yeah. aggressive, mm-hmm. and and the argument was always why he get so conservative. Right. So I think Kyle was ahead of the curve, though it just didn't work out. Yeah. Uh, Sean Payton did do an onside kick that won won him the Super Bowl. But th- that was amazing. But that was in two thousand eight. Yeah, but but but, directly- but what I'm saying is is let's accept before. The Philadelphia New England Super Bowl, that stuff was so rare. Yes. That, but since it's become a debate, since Staley came in the league and did what he did, it seems like I'm not saying I, not never go for it. I'm I'm not saying you shouldn't go for it more than you used to. It seems like some of these extreme aggressions I, don't seem to work. I think here's the problem. It's like the difference in your in your, in your win chances don't change much in any one of these plays. Well, so yeah, so, so the so ones we're go, really debating. So you go from fifty two to fifty three and a half percent chance to win. It's like you'd have to have a sample of hundreds to for to forever to become meaningful. So if you don't, because I don't part. know if the model's correct. Every great yeah. crash in the last thirty years financially has been because models have been myopic. They've only seen one thing and not other yeah. things. I don't know that this model made by guys. Let's be candid with a lot less talent than the financial models on Wall Street that they make billions from. The math guys in football not quite that good. They might the models might be completely wrong because they don't factor in like Scott brings up the point they don't factor in how's my defense going to react to to my coach bearing me and going for a fourth down from my own 40. Oh, God damn it the coach didn't punt and now I'm screwed. Doesn't right? these teams that have a couple successive non-wins, you know, you're saying they needed a win. They seem to wilt. They seem to will. You, you don't see them fight back too much. I don't know. I think that's the point is the math guys are sure they're right, but we're not even sure their model's right. I think it's generally right. but I the, think if you're playing Madden, it's right. <laughs> I mean, the fact that they can vary by seven or eight points between them, mm-hmm. ESPN's model. Ver- but listen, this is different than saying to close this conversation. It's different than saying, oh, we should go back the way it was. Obviously, the league was too conservative, mm-hmm. right? Now the question is, where's the line? Yes. And I think Dan Campbell went over the line. Mm-hmm. And maybe he was. He was trying to prove he deserved on that list, Fred. <laughs> All right, on to the time shift. We have another pod coming out, a short one uh, Friday afternoon. Then we'll be back next week with the Props Extravaganza. Stay tuned right here, though. Uh... I mean, I have a soft spot for Field of Dreams. Uh, that's really it. Do. That's it. Number one. Yeah. Fez? Wasn't he Billy Chapel in yes, that? For Love of the Game. Love of the Game. It's an incredible movie. Good job. I'm happy no one said mine yet. Mm. Don't go off the beaten path. Waterworld? That's a terrible choice. That is AJ. a terrible choice. <laughs> that's right. Uh, I don't know. I like. You are slow. Man. I like the Highwayman. I like the Robin Hood movie. Whoa. Whoa. You just told us a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's Tin Cup.
Oh, that's oh, a good movie yeah. too. I mean, yeah. I mean, Bull Durham might be the Bull better Durham's movie. Fantastic. Oh, Bull Durham too. You know, yeah. poor Dennis was Wolf. You like Robin Hood better than Bull Durham? <laughs> I didn't think about Bull Durham. <laughs> I do like that Robin Hood movie. Would most though. people have said Dances with Wolves? Probably, right? No, no not no. men. Oh, no, not not women, no. maybe. It's a woman movie. Most women would have said the Robin Hood movie too. But yeah, <laughs> AJ. Rupert I'm comfortable. <laughs> I'm comfortable in my masculinity. Yeah, Bull Durham was really good. <laughs> maybe too comfortable. <laughs> No, but yeah, that's odd. And, and the whole idea of the record being broken and it really not even being tracked yeah. and the, these la- But Tin Cup is amazing. I mean, right. Oh, I changed my mind. Wyatt Earp is the best one. Never saw it. What? Do you want to make this your. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen it either. You haven't seen never, Wyatt Earp? I've never even heard of that. <laughs> yeah, what are you talking about? Are you sure it's, it's Kevin Costner? You guys are kidding me right now. <laughs> Do I ever lie and think it's funny? But you're kind of half smiling. No, I'm just waiting to see what you say. What are you going to say? Who was in that movie? Was it, was it, wait a minute. Was it the guy that was in The Doors? What was his name? <laughs> the guy that was in The Doors. He was, in, he was Jim Morrison. It, it's, he was in Heat. It, uh, just, can you give me the name of the people in it? Yeah. Kevin it, Costner, Dennis Quaid, Gene Hackman, Jim Caviezel. Oh, J- Jimmy Caviezel. <laughs> he played Jesus. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, Mike, Michael Madsen, uh, Tom Sizemore. It's a big, it was a big feature. Wait, let me guess. Was this 96? 94. Oh, then I'm going to have to take it back because it sounds like it's the cast of Heat, hmm. but Heat got taped after this. So in a way, maybe wide open. Let's be honest. If it was 94, it got buried behind Forrest Gump and every other incredible movie that came out in 94, Pulp Fiction, whatever. How did he? 94 is a great year. The showstopper strikes again. Wide Earp. I mean, I don't even. I don't know. I've never even heard of it. I, I can't never believe you guys it. haven't heard of that movie. Never. Heard it was like a a, a blockbuster. Steve, have you heard of it? Never heard of it. Is it a woman's movie? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're I mean, it's, like... it's a western. It's, it's... <laughs> it lost money. Sixty-three million dollar budget. Fifty-five point nine million box office. They couldn't even match their cost. That I, even... I like that movie. Well, let's just say if you had net points in that, you didn't do too well. <laughs> it what? was it was nominated for uh, best cinematography. Oh well, yeah, by the Academy Awards. It also won uh, thirty two Raz, Rotten Tomatoes. the Golden Raspberry Award for worst actor, Kevin Costner. So, uh, <laughs> mixed reviews to say the least. Now that's fun. The guy he's finally funny once. That was funny. You hear him catch his voice when he wasn't going to say it. He goes, "He won the Raz." And then he knew he had it finished. <laughs> that was good. That was good. I, I actually have a recommendation now that we're here. This is, when's the last time, this is interesting. When's the last time you've been shocked at how good something was? Not that you were happy that it was good. That it was shocked. You couldn't believe it. When I went into Dur- Durango Station. I love Durango. All right. So Durango Station is? A ca- new casino. In the southwest Las Vegas. Okay, so like down by the South Point. It's by Ikea. It's, okay, yeah, yeah. It's between so Red it's more Rock. West side. It's more between west side. the M and the Red Rock. Okay, but it's way between. It's like a half hour. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, so this is a station, like Sunset Station. Okay, and what was it that you liked about it? They broke all the rules for casinos. You have, have to like, know the rules before you break the rules. They have open sunlight coming into the casino. It's like warm and comforting. So you can tell if it's day or night. Yes. Yeah. And you can I don't look, like that. You can look out. Like there's slot machines, and you can look out the window. You can look. But that could distract you. <laughs> exactly. It's beautiful. It's just, it, it has this warm. So it, it sounds like it's not a casino. It is a casino. That's Sports the, looks the terrible. It's only, the couches are ugly. It's, uh, the, but I, this I isn't like the it. place they give you like three chips, is it? Three chips? 
You didn't no, see that's that? Fontaine Blue. Oh yeah. yeah, Fontaine Blue is the worst ever. Yeah, <laughs> but the uh, but, all right. So this place, yes, because it's not like a casino. It, it it just made me feel warm and fuzzy and huggy. Yeah. Okay. You like that's the first casino you take Johnny to. Exactly. Exactly. So that means yeah. it's all right. But hey, same question. Uh, we'll go to Scott and let you think on oh, it. Oh, I know right? mine. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, that show Reacher that I recommended to you. Uh, my only experience with it was there, there was a movie with Tom Cruise, mm-hmm. and I hate Tom Cruise. Okay. So He wasn't in Wide Earp. I know no. that. <laughs> Imagine Tom Cruise in a Western, you how laughable. hate Tom Cruise. He was in I The do. Outsiders, which how was kind of like a street Western. How can you hate Tom Cruise? Because he doesn't like anyone that wins. He hates winners. He He's likes a five-foot-four action star. Which means that it, it took balls to do. It, it does. I just don't you, like it. It's not unbelievable to you me. You don't like short people? I don't like short people that portray themselves as superheroes. Do you think so short anyone... people can't be superheroes? I mean, you can be, but I, I don't. You better have a superpower. What is it? It's what, like pro what, wrestler. Who likes Rey Mysterio? You want to see Andre the Giant? You want to see Freak Show? Rey Mysterio was like, they had. They, like didn't he fame. die? Didn't he die? What's no, the, that's Eddie Guerrero. What's no. the artist that did? I love L.A. and he also did short people. Got, got no reason, no reason to live. That's that's your philosophy? No. I just want my superheroes to look I think like. He's superheroes. got an interesting point, but mm-hmm. if if an actor, what I'm saying is, that was always the thing in wrestling that Vince McMahon believed is you, the guy's got to look like he could clear the bar. <laughs> if he doesn't, then it's it's you have to suspend disbelief. That's to, all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I see that, but the fact that Tom Cruise is no doubt a hyper effective action star means he overcame that limitation. I, and I give him credit; he's a, a good actor. I just don't like him. I I find him but unbelievable. He's a great action star. By definition, if you were smart and you had a movie uh, company and you could get him to play in an action movie, if you said, pass on Tom Cruise, you'd be making a mistake. He is a great movie star. Exactly. More than an actor. And that, But remember, being a, an action hero is not about being an actor. Remember, no, right. remember that Vinny Chase said, am I a great actor? And his manager said, or, or Ari? He's, I think you're a star. Yeah, I think you're I, a star. It's like Vin Diesel and The Rock. You remember that? Vin it's Diesel good. and The Rock aren't good actors, but they're... they're First of all, Vin Diesel is a good actor. I disagree. Have you, ever, have you ever seen Boiler Room? Incredible. I have seen Boiler Room. It's a good movie, but I don't Marlon, think... Marlon? Really good. It's my father. He's really good in that. He's great in Boiler Room. Okay. I mean, so, I mean but like you're picking out one movie. He's... You want me Come to? On, we, not, like, wait, wait, we kind of want to break was, on the twentieth sale, was he, right? Was he? Was he in Wide Earp? He was not in Wide Earp. <laughs> I mean, I think what we're seeing here is everyone that wasn't in Wide Earp wow. isn't any good. <laughs> All right, your turn. Uh, when I was pleasantly surprised. No, no, no. Shocked. Shocked. Okay. When I had the uh, dinner, the fifty-dollar dinner for two at the steakhouse at the Railroad Pass Casino. So fifty and, for two. That's fifty dollars, and then you both eat. Yeah, so and, and my pieces. and my petite fillet was delicious. And what else? Shocked. And what else did you eat? Salad and a little <laughs> chocolate cake. Okay, okay. The railroad pass casino. <laughs> what, wouldn't it have been great if he said, "You know, I was alone. I just got both." <laughs> yeah. <of it." laughs> Actually, it probably would have been filling it if I had both the meals. You know, these yeah. hole in the wall casinos in Boulder or towards Boulder Highway and the like, and and that direction. There's all kinds of and Old Henderson. There's all kinds of great deals. You should do a lifestyle pod sometime. I should. <laughs> I'd be shocked by that. All right. Here's the reason I asked. What do you I, got? I found a site today that I'm. I, it, <laughs> It's almost like to me. I would almost say ChatGBT meet that criteria. It's so shockingly good. It's mm-hmm. not. It's imperfect, and there's a lot of you know ethical. What's going to happen when they take over? Questions, but what it can do is shocking sometimes. So I would put that much more shocking than a, a good steak 
for example. But, for 25 bucks. <laughs> yeah, for 20. I mean, if it was $5, yeah. maybe. But but no, I, hey, listen, I love good food. There's a site called, uh, and let me pull it up, Rare Film, but the film has two M's. So Rare, R-A-R-E, film, with two M's. You see it? Mm-hmm. Okay. This has about 3,000 movies available for streaming for free. No cost ever. You don't even have to sign up. And they're all movies that have been abandoned in a way. Like It seems to me this guy, this guy has no copyright or any right to play any of them. But the theory is if you tell him to take him down, he will. But these are movies from like the – well, some of the copyrights have expired, like from the 30s or whatever. But but a lot of them are – I mean, he had – you can search by decade. You can search by – and these are all like these super-duper passion projects. Like someone who's a legitimate actor who maybe spends a year working for free because he thought this was a great movie. And they're usually not great, great, because they usually don't have enough money to be great, great. Some are, but they're so interesting. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, this is like almost like a dream scenario because it's like, wouldn't it be great if you could take all the movies that's been neglected? You know, it's like, because if you make a movie, you got to make your money from it. If you put the money up or no one's going to make movies. Yeah. But once they've been abandoned, there's all kind of movies that people there's copy like there's disputes over the copyright that you, they can't put on DVD, and it, and then people die and now their heirs don't even know they own them. It's all kind of crap like that that keeps a lot of movies out of circulation. And this guy just gathered them all. I mean, it's I thought if it just was the list, I'd be shocked. It was so good. The fact you can hit one button and play any of them. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? No commercials, it? they just did. No, it's just a movie. Wow. Like yeah, he's that. not trying to make a penny. He doesn't have one ad at the site. Wow. I've never heard of any of these movies. No, but but no, true. Uh, now, there's one that I talked about on this show. I've only looked through about 10 minutes through because I have, didn't have time today. But um, there's one called Chuck and Buck that I love. I don't remember if you guys were here what I was talking about. It's one of the craziest movies ever. Chuck but and Buck. It's the guy who did... There's the new HBO show that is very successful. It's like it's it's at a um, it, they live it's at a resort or something. I have it. White, White Lotus. Lotus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy Mike White is the guy that did White. Well, he's the guy that directed and starred in Chuck and Buck. But this is like 12 years ago, and he plays this guy who had a high school. He's really nerdy, and he had a high school friend who was a jock who was nice to him, and now it's about 15 years later. So they're like 33, 35, and he happens to run into this dude. They hadn't talked like that whole time. And he says, I'm getting married, the, the, the older, or the friend said. And he goes, where, in L.A.? Because he lives in that guy lives in L.A. He still lives like in Nebraska or whatever. He goes, I'll come out for it. He goes, what? And, he, and then the rest of the movie is Chuck ends up, and it's Chuck and Buck. Chuck ends up, and I can't remember who's Buck and who's Chuck. I'm guessing he, the jock is Buck. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. <laughs> Well, he he's gay. He didn't know it. He doesn't even know it, but he like loves this guy, right? So he's like staring at him all the time. But it's not like he's like trying to come on to him. It's just like there's a homoerotic thing, and this guy gets super un- like he must have been okay with it. But now he's getting married. He's super uncomfortable, and like he just shows up at different places he's not supposed to be. And then you would think the whole movie would be that, but about a third of the way through, half the way through, they resolve that. And then it's Buck trying to start to make his own life in L.A. 
And it's like a really, really, like, it's so funny, first of all, but it's like a really thoughtful, like, you don't know what to think of it because it's, it's so wickedly out of left field. Hmm. But anyway, that was one that was on there. But there's, there's like a lot of ones that have big names in them in the two, I think the old ones, no. But you okay? Yes. <laughs> <sighs> when the Great White Hope is on here from 1970. Now, what's that about? The boxer. The boxer, yeah. They, oh. did a, they did a remake of it with uh, Lewis Gossett. Okay. See? No, yeah. Like, yeah. Let me tell you. Titanic's not here. Yeah. Right? But if you like those, and the beauty of it is you can start and watch five minutes, and if you don't want to watch it. Just stop. You stop because it's free. It's like going into a movie theater that's got 30 different theaters, and you just you don't like it. Just go to theater three, then four, then five. You know, we're going to have to time shift again, so I'll take one minute with this. The, once a year where I grew up, they had a free movie day. Did they have that where you grew up? We had like a dollar movie thing. Yeah. yeah. So it, it was, was like— Probably a quarter back then, yeah. They always did it in August. Yeah. And it was like, because I think that's when like the summer movies are done in the fall. Yeah. So, and I remember I used to go out there and like see four. Yeah, you know, and it was fun. But they figured they'd get you with the soda. I'd sneak in cans. Mm. Why are you stepping on what I'm trying to do? I'm just saying that's not it like doesn't a matter. That's not a, a rich thing. That's Let like him a... say the answer before you respond All to right. it. You don't. You don't think there's a correlation between night creams and men in their forty plus and wealth? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, what? what? I mean, yes. it's not even a debate. We live in the desert. Everyone should use some sort of moisturizer. Yeah, everyone that talks like this, like you just did. <laughs> everyone should use some moisturizer. It's <laughs> all right. No, <laughs> laugh now. When you're 70, you're going to look poor old. Well, I can't believe Scott thinks I can only throw a football 12 yards. Well, I was being facetious. <laughs> I, I would say 22. All right. Wait, now we can have a conversation. You, you, are, <laughs> you are a pro at getting us off track, AJ. <laughs> Steve, will you tell the truth, please? I, I I am too cheap to own night cream. Yeah, um, I, I'm not saying you own it. I'm saying you use. For it. a second, I thought I thought maybe it was like one of those manscaping things. That I put it down below me. So I, the I answer like, is I don't know what. Hand it is. to a Bible. You don't put any moisturizer on under your none, eyes. None. None. I would have bet. I would have bet ten thousand dollars. That he did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the and wager look, that you're going to win uh-huh. is that within the next five years, I will be. Fez will be using because his wife products. is very conscientious yeah. about things like and, that, and, 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 I, and you would think she'd be. He's like, doing more camera work and stuff and like I'm that. Li- and I'm seeing lines like right here that yeah. I didn't used to see. Yes, yeah, so. that was just it was you dropping from second to twenty first in that contest. Yeah, okay. <laughs> every, every drop was yeah. like a little ring. <laughs> you cash like he did in right Circuit Millions. That. You're going to be buying some night creams. Yeah. <laughs> now you got the money. If you can either have the jacket or the night creams at this point. I, I you know it's funny that I haven't heard from the back from the jacket people. I'm you like almost wondering get... if there's like a preempt that they don't want my money, you know? Why don't we make you know something? When I did that TV stuff, I went to and got a jacket made, right? Well, it was it was bespoke, but it was like it wasn't hand stitched and everything. It was like they they just tailored it like in mm-hmm. a way that's different. So it's it's what they call bespoke, I guess, but it's not a handmade, right? Mm-hmm. It cost like I mean it wasn't crazy. It was like a really nice blazer for like seven eight hundred, but it was like nice, nice. Yeah, they're yeah. asking me for eight fifty. I'm gonna find this yeah. guy. I'm saying, where's my jacket? But what I'm man? saying is, this guy is the best um, wardrobe person or the best you know uh, tailor in Vegas. He's just famous. He's got a following. 
I can get you in there, Fez, and get, we can put whatever you can stitch whatever you want. Hall of Fame. It's not going to match the other people when they go to the award ceremony. Hey, gonna it's going to stand yours out. Yours are going to look a lot better. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to wear an off shade jacket. What would Ric Flair do? Yeah, he'd go in with his pump, with, 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 with he would sequins ha- and, and diamonds on it. Yeah, yeah. He should get a robe made instead. Yeah, of yeah. Like let me like ask that. you a question, Rich. Another rich thing, and AJ might disagree with this, but a lot of rich people have their tuxedos. They have their own tuxedo. They, yes, they go to. They don't rent. Yeah, they go to enough things, even if it's twice a year, that might as well have a tuxedo, right? I don't, right? But Fez would be saying, well, I know I got my tuxedo, but maybe theirs are going to look different. I shouldn't wear my custom bespoke tux. I should wear what they wear. Is that how you would be thinking? I'm, right now as I speak, I'm saying, hi, it's Steve F. Is my jacket ready? <laughs> you know, See, so. that's the thing. He, 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 wants, to be, he wants to be included. Would you say that's your major like emotional feeling? Is you feel excluded? No, I would actually say I I don't care what people think. I'm. I'm then why wouldn't you want a custom in, jacket in high in high school? Because it's just a hassle. And I don't have time. You know, and this I already took my measurements. This one's ready. Just get me my my freaking jacket. I'll pay my money and let's go. I tell you this: if I no, he's got rings from the super contest. They they gave him like out what like two years ago. Yeah. Like, but th- there was all that time they didn't have any rings. Right. Circa shows up and they're like. Well, maybe we should give rings, you know, and they gave them retroactively. Yes. Right. Which was nice. Now, did you have to pay for those? No. Now, that was that was nice. And there's like little diamonds in them. I think, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's got to be a, probably two, three hundred. Pe- I mean, they're yeah. not more than that. Probably. I think that's a good number. Yeah. And that's not I mean, shit. They had a lot. It's very nice. They did. That. And then when there was teams, I think they got them for everyone. Wow. If I'm not mistaken, you could argue that ring they gave me is like valued more than the, the amount I can bet against them on the app. <laughs> so that's cool. So you've turned on everyone? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> turned on him. I mean, you would think that camouflage you did with the, the – the, the, how much did you bet on the one – I saw today people were saying Fez post fake records, right? Or it was two days ago. You saw this. You responded to it. Yeah. They, I, put, I gave out this total under 51 and a half. Uh-huh. And what game? It was in the, the San Francisco, yeah. Detroit, and then I and then I said, "Oh, the weather's going to be perfect. Don't really like it nearly as, as much as I did, but obviously it's a play. You know, yeah. I gave it out." And, and then you people, also here's the thing: you can also bet against it. Sure, I know. As long as you're very explicit and say, "Hey, I'm now hedging off this, and I'm losing a tenth of a unit." Exactly, I mean, but so I don't like to do that unless it's like dramatic. So I just told my clients, "I said, look, but this is like the second game in the playoffs where you're changing your opinion midweek." Yeah, yeah. So I'm still having a good playoffs. Maybe, yeah, but yeah. what I'm saying is, it does lend. Like what would I have? To, if I would, if you would ask me, what would I have said? Like for the first one, you made a big production of what was that? The uh, Kansas or the Buffalo Pittsburgh game, right? Buffalo Pittsburgh. That's because the game got moved. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah but yeah, he yeah. was, but he was, he almost made it like he liked the over. He went from liking the under to yeah. liking the. Yeah. All that does is make people feel like. I'm not certain. He's he's willing. He's left. He's right. Even though you might have a legitimate reason, yeah, right? Both of them. The the initial play lost. You know? Yeah, but the, what, the, the, the narrative changed. The parameters changed. It happens. You know that's that's the danger of betting early in the week. Now I think betting early in the week is undoubtedly net net a win. Yeah, it's not even close. But what what people have to be educated about, and that's why I'm taking the time now, is if you do if you act like an old school pick seller. And you try to approach it in a new wave way, in a modern way, it doesn't work. There's incongruency. 
what we got to do and what we've spent a lot of time trying to do in different ways is educate and not even educate. I mean, it is education, but it's also like saying, hey, consider this. Mm-hmm. Right. And your point would be, and correct me if I'm wrong, is betting early in the week net net is a net positive. Yes. Okay. And that's not even, you agree with me, it's not even close. Not even Do you close. ever consider I'm not going to bet until Sunday? God, no. The, my very best bets of the year are the ones that I made you know, against the openers. And you give, for those who have your normal package, not not even your tax package, which is 1000 a month, all that stuff, is the people with your normal package, they get a lot of stuff early. Exactly. All right. So you're able to follow him Monday. There's a bet Tuesday. Now, typically during the NFL season, I'm guessing, and I don't watch every release, I'm guessing you got some stuff Monday morning. Do you put anything out Sunday night? I would say one-third of the time Sunday night, and I would say then 60% something Monday morning. Now, when you put it out Sunday night, how far or how long after the opener? Usually around 8 p.m. Okay, so like three plus hours. Yeah. I like that. You got to let things settle a little yeah, bit. Because yeah. other now, what you could have is a little club that is like, hey, we're gonna, I'm gonna release at five o'clock every Mine Sunday. Mine's like right after the Sunday night game. When yeah. the Sunday night game ends, like in the next half hour, if I'm gonna yeah. send something, that's when I'm sending. Yeah, it. yeah. And even if you wanted to do it earlier, you could. You just had to figure out how to communicate it, how to get yeah. people on board. Okay. And then if not, you usually got stuff Monday. Yeah. Now, when's the next time typically that you come out with? Is it is it Tuesday, Wednesday, th- or do you wait till third? When when do you typically do it? After I that? try to wait until like typically Thursday. Mm-hmm. However, if something's gonna go, I got if something's gonna move, I'm, I'll, I'm gonna give it out earlier. I don't think well for sure. I don't think there's any reason ever to wait past Thursday unless you need to wait. What yeah. I'm saying is, once people are reengaged for that Thursday night game, a lot of people Monday night game's over. Tuesday, Wednesday, they're not thinking about it too much. And I try to be sensitive to the clients in that, like, I'm doing other sports, right? So, yeah. I'll, so well, I'll, listen, I'll, if they're doing the other sports, they're, they're in for seven so, days so, a week. So, like, literally, I'll wait and say, all right, I got two college football games. Boom, I'll put in this NFL game I haven't released yet. In other words, I, I try not to, like, hit them with releases all day long. If, mm-hmm. if, I, if I'm confident the number isn't going to move in the NFL, I'm like, I'll just wait till I get out my, my college football totals, and then I'll give out the NFL total at the same time. So you're balancing... What is the optimal for the wins versus the commitment required to follow? Yes. And and you're trying to make it where unless there's a real difference that you try to make it reasonable where it's not a full-time job for people. Ex- that's not what they say. Exactly. Okay. I, I really try, like with the baskets, I try to stack my, my, my Saturday basketball card and send all three of them at, at the same time. Now, mo- most pick sellers are either oblivious towards trying to win to that degree because they can't, they never have, whatever. Or they're so focused on winning, they're almost militant where they're going to say, if it comes out at 3.30 in the morning, it comes out at 3.30. If you don't get it, it's your fault. Okay. But you're not being realistic. Yeah. Right? And to me, the guy that's going to balance it is, is is the best. And obviously, there is the bet like a pro $1,000 a month where you're getting texts sometimes at 4 in the morning. It doesn't it matter. It does happen. Yeah. So... And then I'm guessing from there you have, you know, obviously a Sunday release or two usually, an additional. Okay. Yeah. So... This is a professional a way of professional better bets. It's just all there is to it. Now, what happens if the story changes? If the narrative or the fact, let's say the facts change or the handicap. The game gets moved from Sunday when the weather's going to be a blizzard to Monday when it's going to be fine. Buffalo, Pittsburgh. Just mm-hmm. an unfortunate situation. So whatever you want to call it, the facts change, the handicap changes. Now, what does a person do if they were a better themselves and all they were doing betting for themselves a professional betting for themselves they would say hmm 
I've already bat because you can't say, oh, I bat, but now I don't like it. So renege on that bat because then if the line moves against you, you can. No, no, no. And we never do that at pregame. Never. Now. What you naturally are going to do is say, huh, I think it's positive EV coming back, so I'm going to bet the other way, or I'm going to grin and bear this one because I don't want to give up a tenth of a you know unit automatically. But whatever it is, you do it, and it all seems forthright. No one's thinking, hey, that better's cheating because he bet one way and the other way. But in the world of, and not what we are, because I hate this word because it's just not appropriate and true, but the touts in the world wouldn't even think of that. Oh, they're pot committed. So once they give out a play, even if they hate it, it's, they're going to sell it all week long. And, and like, this was a three-star release. I didn't sell it. I, I, I mean, initially I put it up in a pack, pulled it right back down, said, you know, I'm not selling anymore, you know, because I didn't believe in it anymore. But yeah. you were still on the hook for the record. Exactly. Minus 3.3 units. But still you, turned didn't explain, you didn't explain that really well. And that's what I'm saying. If the, if the no, I, I hate people saying the rest or no one's doing it. A majority aren't, right? And... I don't think anyone takes the precautions we, I mean, listen, I've been through the wars, you know, and when it comes to like, listen, the people who were complaining about what pregame did 10 years ago don't even exist anymore. It's like, I've been through three or four generations of these basement dwellers and all their critiques and they come and they go and now they're selling insurance or they're, or they're back with their parents in the bay. Whatever they're doing, they're not in the industry because those pe- the people that actually maybe liked what we were doing, maybe was kind of liked it, indifferent to it, some of them last, right? We're not the only ones that's lasted a long time, but the ones that's going to come in and willy-nilly be negative for no reason, no logical reason, they don't last. Yeah. So just rest assured, anyone acting like that now won't last, right? Because it's why would you do that? It's only your insecurity, right? You're thinking, Steve, I saw him on ESPN. I saw He was on Fox Radio for years. He's this, he's that, he's this, he's that. I'm not that. Mm. He won two super contests. He got lucky. I wish I'd get lucky once. That's their internal dialogue. I mean, does anyone doubt that here? No. And listen, I tell you this, there's a lot... A lot of things to be jealous with Faz about. There's some things not to be. Net net, he's a pretty lucky guy. <laughs> but come on now. He's just always if anyone listens to the the people who listen to this pod know your humanity too, to be real. It's like the pain, the you know, they've walked they wa- in a weird way, that was a, a wild experience to see you plummet from from second place all the way out of the top. <laughs> see, we have fun regardless. <laughs> but, and, and let's be honest. It, it, you know, hitting for the 400 was a nice solve. Is that what they call it? Salve? What is it when you put something on a burn? Yeah, salve. Salve? Is that right? Like salvage? Salve. Um, it, that was a nice one. It, it was like finishing third in the millions. It was just a very, <laughs> yeah. it was a very, um, it was like Magellan going all <laughs> circumnavigating <laughs> the contest here. <laughs> Got to the same point. Exactly. <laughs> but it was interesting because he'd come in with the three and twos all mad. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I knew that was good. If you would have went three and two, well, that's interesting. Where would you have ended up? Uh, t- tied for 10th. I went two and three the last week. Got no, it. no. If, I, but if you had gone three and two every week from the week you went public with where oh, you Oh, I would have been fourth. 
Yeah, yeah. it would have been all right. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but again, you. But were, I was directionally right. I was not going to win with the three you and go two. Go for the gusto. Yeah. But but at least that did the winner win by margin or it seemed like one person ran out. The win the winner was styling, and then the second place guy made a her- Herculean comeback, cut the lead to a half a game. With the game to play, and they had oppo sides on on the Buffalo uh, Miami Monday Sunday night game, and the leader had Buffalo, so he won by game and a half. But he would have lost the contest if Miami would have um, covered the plus three. Wow! So it yeah. came down to the uh, and was that the Sunday night game? Yeah. yeah. So it's amazing how many times the Super Contest has come it down is. to the last well, and, and, and or the last the reason, game. I mean. Part of the reason is so much, so often people want to choose hedge. that game because then they can edge. Yeah. 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 The um, if need be. Yeah. No, that makes a ton of sense. So anyway, I I caught wind of that, and Fez is, was getting all huffy and puffy, and he he listen, he lives this stuff, so it makes sense that when he's criticized for no reason, I mean, to think that 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 you got an impartial third party that posts daily that receives the pics like a client, and a guy who came in as a skeptic of yours. What's his name? I forget. Uh, it's Computer Bob. Yeah, computer. He spells it weird. Yeah. yeah he, in what form is he? He was big on some form. Like it was like all, all of them. Yeah, yeah. all the old school ones like yeah. Major Wager. Yeah. So he's a retired guy from Silicon Valley. Made his made his fortune, you know, in in the computer. Yeah. There's like a he, famous book called Fire in the Valley, which is all about the beginnings of Silicon Valley. That he's actually there's a picture of him in it. He told me. Oh, that. I only talked to him one time. It was when we were setting this up. He lives up north, like in Reno or something. I think he's or is it California? I don't think he lives in. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know. But um, no, he seemed like a nice guy, but he was skeptical because let's be honest, historically, pick sellers have been dishonest, a lot yeah. of them. And I, I think whatever he thinks, you've won. Um, what, what's it been like? Four out of five years with him. Yeah, so I've won. I, I've actually, I, I believe it or not, yeah. I updated my numbers. Okay, all it takes is someone questioning. Lifetime at pregame. Uh-huh. And so I've won the last four years. Uh-huh. And from 2020 to, to today, up 241 units. All right. And going all the so, way back. So 2020, so three years in, in a few months or a month. Right. And if I go all the way back to 2013, plus 509 units. It's pretty good. Yeah, I'll good. say. And but Computer Bar's been there for like the last, I think, Since five 2015. Years? Is that right? So, yes. uh, so nine years? Yes. Jesus Christ. I know. All he right. used to say, like, uh, because I, I was pulling all this up and it was interesting because I, I pulled up all the December 31st. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, for the, to get the year results. And he used to say, Happy New Year to everyone. He was so happy. And like the last couple of years, it's just, here it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no more Happy New Year. Well, I wonder if he feels like he's lost. Like he must still be gambling, though, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he's a big gambler. All right. Well, I should let him know if he if we can get someone else if he doesn't want to do it. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe, I guess in a weird way, there's, I always have trouble pronouncing it, but there's a Greek mythology with the guy, Syphysis or whatever, it's roll the rock up the hill, right? That's the mm-hmm. famous thing. And it keeps rolling back down. You got to roll it up again and roll it back down. I'm mispronouncing the name. But um, you, you finding it for me, AJ? Um, no. That's either Icarus or Sisyphus. It's not Icarus. Icarus, Icarus, tried to, tried to Icarus is the, the wings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Close to the sun. I think it's yeah. Sisyphus. Yeah, what Sisyphus. are you worried? You filing your taxes? No, I was looking at the charts that you had sent. Oh, there's, okay. there's a reference in, <laughs> Sorry. in, in Joe Peter's book, Trading Bases. Uh-huh. He talked about he got in trouble. He was in a bond trading uh-huh. co- in the company. And basically what happens is that they come out and they're short $20 million. Uh-huh. And they have to make up the $20 million over the course of the day with all these transactions. Like, oh, we finally got to $20.1 million. Whew, 
And then the next morning, it's like Sisyphus and the goddamn rock. We got another twenty million. We exactly. got to make up. So if you're computer Bobby, you entered into this to, to debunk you. <laughs> yeah. To have to book daily. I mean, transcribe and put up winter after winter, at least month after month, and, and year after year for sure. Some months you you know, and I I would feel very. Almost like a curse in a way. Mm. Or you could think I was wrong and I finally found a winner and I'm, and I'm getting, getting for free. Picks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Good payment. Yeah. So <laughs> who knows? I mean, the fact he's still doing it tells me that, that there's probably part of that. Right. It must be. The, the, Driving a Ferrari around like Tahoe. You <laughs> care what, that's but, all he's got to do. Here's the thing is if you think Fez doesn't know what he's talking about, you're wrong, but that's you're right. You have a right to feel if you feel like I don't know AJ Scott, whatever. But if you're saying we're doing something wrong, something illicit, something deceptive, that's wrong, and it will easily, easily be explained. Whatever concern you might have, just text in or um, uh, Twitter slash X in whatever email AJ AJ at pregame.com. He'll forward it. Yeah, part. give it to AJ. Yeah, but whatever it is. It's, it's going to be easily explained. You're missing something, or maybe there's something that's supposed to be being done away, and it's not, though that's rare. It's possible, but I can promise you our intention and our execution is always legitimate. Because, listen, I'll just speak personally for a minute as we close the pod, because we've time-shifted, is I had a lot of options out of college. I didn't have many before college because my grades in high school weren't, I guess it doesn't matter except to get into college, but they weren't great, but they were quite good at high state and I had a lot of options. Um, I chose this. Why? Because I'm, you know, mentally a little bit off maybe, no, but, <laughs> but because I, I, I don't like clubs. I don't like to be part. I really feel uncomfortable being part of the, chosen ones or the you know I, my dad's a coal miner i grew up as a rebel in a small town rebelling against you know kind of like footloose style but it you know wasn't quite like that but and the idea of saying all right i'm going to dress up in a suit every day and go to wall street and be part of the you know even though you know the opening salary back then was like I think, well, I mean, I really, I mean, you think about it, if you graduate i was first in the class out of 600 people in finance I got to think I could have made about 200 coming out. I mean, this would have been 92, right? Like a million now. Yeah. I mean, that's what they did. They, they started the, the new, like, hot shots, whoever, if that, if, assuming I would have been able to pass that bar, is, um, like, I think it's 900,000 now. It's like, we're, like, you know, because there's such a, there's so many people hunting for the best traders, the best, because there's so much money. I mean, with the hedge funds now, BlackRock. But, you know, back then, that was the beginning of all that. I didn't really even know that. If I knew it, I think I would have considered it more. Like, where a lot of the quant trading really started right around the early 90s. And I would have, I think I would have, there have been some, I wouldn't have been a super quant. I would have been one of those guys, I think, that was enough of a quant to engage with it. But then enough of the other things to engage with the rest of the world. But that didn't sound fun to me. Or at least I didn't understand it. And I chose to come here. So... I, I get it. If some people, they have to steal, they have to lie to feed themselves. And you know what? If I had to, I'm not sure that I wouldn't. If the choice was hunger or deception, I think I wouldn't. I don't know how long I'd stay hungry. Maybe a couple weeks. But I mean, is it going to be year after year? 
You know, it's the old, uh, does the mother feed their kids steal a loaf of bread, right? In this case, it's my belly we're talking about, not the kids. But I, I didn't and have never, knock on wood, needed that. So I wouldn't do it. Because, I mean, unless you are amoral and have no morality, to lie and cheat comes at a cost. There's a, a psychic burden to that, you know? And I give Mary credit, you know, who runs sales is, she said, I have no interest in being engaged in something I have to be ashamed of. And I'm like, that has been the motto. And I, you know, I'd make a case, AJ, that was one of the first things that she probably told you. That, yep. that, and, and would you, you know, I would make the case that, uh, do we try to market? Well, yeah, we, I always say we try to market the truth the best way we can, right? Cause you'd be crazy. I'm going to try to purposely not make my stuff exciting. No. Mm-hmm. Like, so if I was thinking of your, let's just go over it one more time. What I'm interested in your, uh, I mean, those were great numbers, but I'm interested in your prop stuff for the Super Bowl. All right, I have them here. So last six years. Uh-huh, so six years. So you know, and and by the way, the seventh year was like it was just a math. Okay, so I I. You mean about break even? Yeah. Uh-huh. So it, it's not like I had a terrible. So you had seven years. back. It was break even, and now six years since. So six years since thirty eight and twenty sixty five point five percent plus twenty two units. That's almost two out of three. Almost two out of three. And you're probably your volume this year is going to be about the same. You think? I think it's going to be down. I want to be, a little down. I want to be open and honest and disclose. I am not as, and we'll talk about why. Yeah, yeah. There's there there there's less opportunity in this Super Bowl than there were in some others. But I'm guessing. Well, historically, you've put in uh, between nine and eleven plays that were star rated. Yeah, right? fifty-eight plays the last six years. There we so go. They're just between under nine. ten per day. For, right. But you've also had about that same many again that were. Available, but not widely available. Even more. Even more, yeah. Yeah, so 20 to 30 right. a year. So this year you might be down, but you're still going to be, like, let's say, uh, over 15. So it might, you might get You might get six seven, or seven yeah. plays, and you might see like 13 plays that I personally made that, mm-hmm. that, hey, maybe you can find them, maybe you can't, but you can, you know, you, 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 and, and you know what, the advantage too, when you see me bet something in a Super Bowl, Maybe you can't bet at this Super Bowl, but now the light bulb goes on. It's kind of showing a man how to fish, you know, things to look for. No yes. doubt. And, and um, now that we've time shifted, we will have talk, but we already have about that. So to me, the last thing I'll say is I love the fact that you're saying something. You know, there's a thing in the courts called making a statement contrary to the witness's interests. Mm. That anytime someone says something that it's a negative to them. The court tends to believe it's true. It may not be, and if it's disproven, they, they'll accept it's not. But in general, if someone says something like, "Yeah, I was cheating on my wife," or "Yeah, I was uh, I murdered the guy, and then I did this," I, you know, if if someone's up for <laughs> a bank robbery and he says, "No, I was murdering someone across town at the same time," you tend to believe it, <laughs> right? Because it's against their interest. You saying, "You know how much hype we've had over the last couple of years with the Super Bowl, and this should be a little less this year." that's a sign of honesty. But the beauty of it is even with that little bit of, okay, a little bit less enthusiasm, it doesn't mean it's not, I mean, I would make a case it's one of the 10 best days of the year. Yeah. Like if you could only bet yourself 10 days a year, would this be the number one day? It used to be. I think, I think I might go, I actually might go first day of March Madness. The second, excuse me, second day of March Madness. Wasn't the first day of March Madness where you lost 70,000? Which is recently? No. 
What, oh, that? oh that, that be, because that well, that's because I like don't don't I, I Man, don't. why'd you have to bring that up? <laughs> Ruin his whole day. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but, you, but what the, was it, Purdue? Yeah, yeah. The, the irony here, and you're unaware of this. So Purdue was playing Northwestern uh-huh. tonight. Okay. And so, and I got the, the and that's the two who played in this other. Well, game? Purdue was the, the team I lost uh, on there. And you're you're grad in Northwestern. Okay. So. Wh- and I got the most, and Purdue was a 13 point favorite, and 13 point favorites across the board win 90% of the time. It's uh-huh. all documented in the uh-huh. like. And I got a juicy money line at minus 670. So I bet Purdue, my favorite team on the money line, and the game goes overtime. <laughs> they almost lose. Again, these MFers. So let me ask but you a question. Won. How could they? You always explain how the straddle is so big with those bigger favorites, it's hard to bet. How could something that's that should be minus 900 be minus 650 or something? You have to ask Bet Rivers why they put up that number. I don't know. Is Bet Rivers in Ohio? Or, I'm sorry, yeah. in Nevada? And Pittsburgh. In the, oh, no, they're but, everywhere. But is it in Nevada? Well, I, I had— Oh, you drove. You drove. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. nice. Uh, <laughs> Arizona. <laughs> I mean, it's right down the border. Yeah. Um, and, you know, California is like an hour, right? Stay on. They will legalize soon. Yeah, I, I hope so. Um, if there's any story, I just had to think for a minute. If there's any story that tells you who Fez is, it's like this would be the game he wouldn't bet. Because think about it. He's betting against the place he graduated from. <laughs> That's so true. Right? Mm-hmm. To some degree, most people would be like, yeah, there's value, but I just psychologically don't want to bet against my, you know, I'm an alum of that place, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Number two, if there's any team you feel snake bitten by, it's Purdue. How much did you lose on that one? Because it's something ESPN covered. 80,000. <laughs> okay. 80 freaking thousand. And what were you going to make? Like 5,000? Yeah. <laughs> so they were the one seed, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Playing 23. And this was after Virginia got beat, right? So yep. it wasn't, okay. 156 and two now. <laughs> yeah. Or you could say two and like 12 or whatever. I mean, <laughs> right? I, so now, it feels like things have changed because it used to be 30 point. Under like the average line, and I mean, I can remember. Yeah, it's not that I'm betting on number. Yeah, thirty three, like Duke would murder somebody. Yeah, it'd be like between twenty eight and yeah. thirty two. Was but I, I just, I, it doesn't have to be a number one seed. It just has to be a twenty two point favorite or more. That's like the twenty three point favorites win ninety nine percent of the time. That's the the numbers in the database. Uh, I think you, I hear you, but I would during you're gonna have a little bit of time. I mean, you still are handicapping on, but between now and March Mad or between the Super Bowl and March Madness. Um, I would look at the Black Swan again, the book about but, 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 unlikely events and how we we get a skewed perception of it. Yeah, but I still go back to like like the, the time it's twenty three point favorite's going to lose is going to be like a New Year's Day or something in some obscure game in non conference. If ever there's a time that you'd have less variance and and have the and not have those big upsets, it would be when the game counts for everything in the NCAA tournament. That's interesting. So it's almost like the NFL playoffs. The theory is you're not gonna that that, that you could have the underdog being good, but you're not gonna have the favorite being lackadaisical. Yeah, you're not gonna get a 16 point favorite losing the playoffs, but it happens all the so, time, and or yeah. it happens in the regular season. So your so your rationale is the lines being made from the history, and the history includes a lot of flat flat spots for these favorites. And if I'm in a fl- as a place that we know that it's not a flat spot, as long as the line isn't being adjusted because of that scenario, right? Yes. If it's apples to apples, you should lose a lot less. Yes. But not in that case. But still. It's all right. All I, got, all I need to do is win 79 more <laughs> units, and I'll be oh, good. Yeah, I used to have a point. 98.8% in our, entire, in our entire database, 22-point favorites or greater. 
How'd you come up with that number 22? Well, they were Purdue was laying twenty three. Uh, oh, okay, but it wasn't twenty three. But what were you playing? Because you played other you played other ones that tournament that won, right? Yes. So but, what but, were you but, playing over what but line? Twenty twenty two is the magic number because that's where uh, you hit the ninety nine percent. Okay, yes. ninety eight point eight. <laughs> well, it's yeah, because of Purdue. It's not 99. Because of Purdue. <laughs> because of Purdue. 90, 98.8. Yeah. yeah, there's like seven upsets, and there's only there would have only been six. <laughs> now, there's, yes. one, there's one more piece to this puzzle. What's the kind of bet that he would be the most gun-shy of? Laying a big money line. So it's he, he graduated from Northwestern. It's the team that cost him 80. What? Was it last year or two years last ago? Last year. Okay. Less than a year ago. And... It's the bet, effectively, that cost him that much. And he said, oh, it's off by 100 cents? Fire. Fire. <laughs> I, I'm in awe. I'm in I mean, I mean, right or wrong, AJ? I, I, mean, I was, he asked me last night, Purdue should kill Northwestern, right? Okay. And I said, they should, hypothetically, but Northwestern's been feisty. And he already knew that Northwestern had beat them at Northwestern once already. Well, no, wait a minute. No, wait. Didn't we lay 13? And you said that I'll, I'll, I'll put it in on on the same game. What, what do you want me to do? Tell you no? It's your. Mo- well, you yeah, but you didn't want your opinion. You didn't ask your opinion. No, I, I don't recall you being like like so lukewarm on the bet. Did, I, I'll say, read the exact. Read text. me. The, yeah, I like to read the yeah, exact. Yeah, I want to see this. It's possible. I'm, I'm. This is like my sixth like like. Um, a function of the day, so like I'm a, if I'm a little loopy, I've 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 made it. I'm like I I did a lifestyle pod today, <laughs> so I talked about restaurants. RJ, you're the foodie. I talked about restaurants. All right. Well, uh, it's nice that the one time a week that we get you that we're getting the leftovers. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> but go Speaking ahead. Of food. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, okay. Reference. I like that. Doesn't Purdue annihilate Northwestern in a revenge game? Northwestern in a bad spot off two satisfying home wins. So he's saying, I have an inclination on this. Let me finish on this handicap. And here's the reason why. What do you think? Yes. I would think so. But that team has surprised me a couple of times now. Feistier than you would think. So when you say you would think so, so I have no idea what you mean. Like, so what would you have made the line? All you got to do with him, ask him how, what he would make the line. Yeah, what would the what, line have been? I, pro- I mean, probably 12 or 13, about what it was. So I didn't but, feel but, like there was great value went, one way or another. But if you would have went, but still, a point matters. You, if you had a bet, you would have played the dog. No, I would have played but Purdue. The, what was the line? It was 13. Then why would you say 12 or 13? You'd make it 13 or 14. Okay, 13 or 14. All, All right. right. All right. All right. So that should be the new parlance now. Okay. It, I like that. It, yeah. It, and I'm the decimal point guy, so that's 13.4. Yeah, because I'm a big, and it's like, Fez, now that we're Aaron Laundry or whatever, this is something we talked about a week or two ago. Is all right, it's the playoffs. I think these lines are generally right on the side. And my point was well, let's say the line is um, uh, seven and a half in the San Fran game. Let's use that because it got there and pretty much yeah, well, yeah, it was flat. I if mean, you it was th- yeah, if you painted. think it should be seven and a half minus 15, or you think it should be seven and a half minus 05, right? A nickel one way or the other off the line, you can't win with that edge. You can, unless you can play it one on one. Then yeah, you can win. yeah, yeah. In a normal lay price, you can't win That's with that. Right. But if I'm considering who I'm going to play, and I think you think it's a nickel the other way, all of a sudden now I'm a little less excited playing the other way, one way or the other, right? And that is if you can make it where people make less bad bets because you have a lean on something. That's very valuable, yeah. Especially at a time when people are going to be betting these games, even though the numbers are right. It's a great point. And to summarize what RJ is saying is, what's the number one reason people don't hit 
I would argue it's not because they got a portfolio chock full of 51.3% bets. It's more often than not, it's the lemon. The lemon kills you. When you have a bet in your portfolio and you're laying minus 110 and it's a 48% bet, my goodness, think how good you got to be to overcome that. You need like five 54% bets just to overcome that one crappy bet. If you can eliminate that one crappy bet, it's so much easier to win. That's interesting. So you're saying, let's talk about people that are close to winning. Mm-hmm. Meaning they're hitting, uh, let's say everything equal. Meaning no weights or nothing, just to keep it simple. They're hitting fifty-two uh, percent even. Yes. So they're losing because it's fifty-two point three eight to break even. They're losing a little bit. You think the bigger deal? I would have said volume. Mm-hmm. I would have said cut your volume in half, and I think you're going to start winning. You're saying the opposite. You're saying it's not. There's too many plays. They got the wrong a couple stinkers in there. Now, the more plays you play, the better chance of having a stinker. So they're kind of similar, but that's different. That's interesting. But do you really think there's anything that stinky? Yes. Okay. Yes, and I would use I'd use the poker analogy the same way. It, mm. it, I would say, you know what, you're playing about the same number of hands. It's fine. Everything's good for most poker players. But what happens if you do if if R.J. Bell and Steve Fezzik watched like a semi-pro play in for four hours? We say. He donked off 30 units. I think in on poker, that that's the case for sure. Hey, that, that guy has There's it no every time. Sure, yeah. He just made a hero call, and that is never going to work in that situation. But wouldn't it be more analogous to limit poker? Which I play limit. Remember, mm. no limit didn't get big in Vegas. You couldn't find a no limit game in Vegas the first couple years. Yeah, I was yeah here. it's a better example because no limit, you can lose your whole stack. Yeah. You know? And you can never lose your whole stack betting one game at a time. You're trying to win one big bet an hour playing limit poker. Yeah. That's just the way, that's the goal. So, you know, the highest I played back then, and I mean, I I played higher in No Limit, but it was uh, um, I played mostly ten twenty at the at the Mirage, and then they, I, there was a fifteen thirty game I'd play occasionally. But it was in the and there was a six twelve game that I played the first couple months I was here because I was new, you know, to it. Uh, that was a fun game though. There's a lot I knew. A lot and I think and I think a good player like playing six twelve can win twenty four dollars an hour. But that same player who's not a great, who's a very good player. If he played like like fifty a hundred, he would actually lose, right? Am I correct? That's interesting. I think in no limit, back how it used to be when I was playing a ton, let's say five, six, seven years ago, um, I think the jump from one two to two five, especially two five at the Bellagio, two five at the Venetian back in the day was a tougher game. Mm-hmm. Two five at the Bellagio on the weekends was a soft game. I, I agree. You could win so much more money there. Um, but but then if you're playing like at the Venetian, probably an average player could win more money at one two, just because yeah it's a lot lower because not only is it low, no one bets more than like you rarely get more than an eighty dollar bet in one two or whatever, right? Yeah. People are tight, they're nitty usually, or they're wowed. It's someone that's playing there and they, they're higher, but they're there for some other reason. So yeah, I would say in general, I listen. My main mistake as a player, I never wanted to lose. So I never kept climbing the stakes. Like when I got to 1020 and no limit and uh, and I was winning and I don't think I could win there now. It's just gotten tougher. But I I mean I, I hope I could break it but but I was winning. Uh, a good I mean I was making I was probably making at least 5000 a month and I was only playing like maybe I was only playing like 10 hours a week maybe. So I mean it was really good. Um I should have went up a level. But I didn't want to lose because if I go up a level, I would have lost a minimum for 
three months. I mean, it's hard going up. I mean, now they have prog- solver programs and all kinds of things now where you can simulate and play. Back then, they didn't have as much of that. So it was like you only learned over the table. There yep. was, and But that's, what, that's one of the things that uh, Negreanu said, and I think it's one of the smartest things he ever said. You know, he went, he kept, you know, he's from Canada, right? He kept trying to get into the, or win at the big game. And it wasn't win for a session. It was become where he would win. And apparently he busted out of that game four times mm-hmm. where he had to go back out of Bobby's room and go back, you know, go up the steps in the other you know, the place. But still, you're not in Bobby's room. And it would take him three, four, five, six months before he's ready to. And imagine that. You're just down there thinking almost like in rounders, right? He's driving the truck. Mm-hmm. right? Yep. And he's thinking about the pain of all this. And then he went, but imagine the third time and then the fourth time you bust out. You're winning down at, you know, 100, 200 or whatever. He's playing down, quote unquote. But then you're thinking, I can't wait to get enough to go back to go against Doyle and go against Phil Ivey. And if he wouldn't have had the, I don't know, compulsion to keep going back, he, we would never know his name. But it took that fifth time before he could win. I just never, I, I just am so uncomfortable with losing. I couldn't do that. And for every Daniel Negreanu, there's like six other guys that, like, I don't want to pick anyone, like, like maybe like the Eskimo or somebody yeah, you know, that, yeah. that just never, never managed to be able to beat that game. He so. used to, I sat beside him a couple of times. He would try to sell you watches. He, <laughs> no, he did. He, he won a couple bracelets. No pun intended with the watch and jewelry. I mean, right? A couple. Yeah. He just died, what, three years ago, maybe? Oh, did he? Yeah. yeah. But, uh, he, you know, so he's one of the guys that you, if you look at the list of the most bracelets, again, there's bracelets every year, but even 10 years ago, he would have been like maybe 25th or something with three. Like, there, you know, mm-hmm. there's only three people. It's got 10, if I'm not mistaken. It's it's Ivy, Doyle have 10, and then um, Helm Youth has like 16 or 18. Mm-hmm. And no one else has even nine. And and I'm not sure who will because as he's got he's gotten so big. The only way is to play the the hundred thousand yeah, buy-ins with the eighty-eight people. Yeah, which is fair in a way, because you're putting up so much money. Yeah. Or the deuce to seven or whatever. There's five now. Five oh, oh Helm- I just heard I just heard this just literally a couple days ago. So what Helmuth has seventeen, uh-huh. uh Doyle has ten. Ivy has 10, Eric Seidel has 10, and Johnny Chan has 10. Oh, okay. Well, whoa, there's some old school guys yeah. surging, right? Back well, Seidel we... and Chan play, played against each other in that famous scene yeah. around. Yep, Seidel won his mo- – he got 10 this year. and But Johnny Chan hasn't won one since 2005, so he's had 10 for a while. Wow. Well, I know someone in, bi- in business with him. They said he was the most difficult person ever. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, ever. But um, apparently it was Doyle that was supposed to be the one – that uh, McDermott raises in rounders, and for some reason at the last minute there was a switch, and they went oh. to Chan. Um, I read there's this magazine called Texas Monthly. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, okay. that's what the, the magazine that I did the barbecue tour through. Okay, they do some really interesting long form stuff, like maybe ten pages. Yeah, they did a piece on Doyle about a year ago mm. before he passed away. And they were talking about how he doesn't go down much. He goes down like once a week to Bobby's room, and he's still break, you know, breaking even. But it's not like because I I heard even up to the last couple of years he was winning still, mm, which wow. is a, is hard to imagine. I mean, I, it's impressive as yeah. all hell. Um, but uh, with this, what they said was so the first World Series of Poker was a vote. So there there was nine people playing, 
And the deal was they kept playing and they would take a vote until one person thought they weren't the best. So, like, for the first, like, day and a half, everyone's saying, I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm the So Johnny Moss, Doyle's there, whatever. Uh, Amarillo Slim, I think, those guys. Okay. Finally, someone says after a while, you know what? Moss is better than me. So he won the first, like, World Series that way, right? But after that, in year two, it was a tournament, right? In year, so I think 71, or 70 was the first one, I think. 71, this was like 73. Now, remember, Doyle won in either 76 and 77 or 75 and 76. I don't remember. 76, 77. Okay. Now, thank you. He, um, in 73, he was like in the final three and he actually left and didn't play. He he got blinded down. He said he told um he he told Binion, he said I don't want the publicity. He goes I my, his oh, parents yes. his parents didn't know he was a gambler. They thought he was like a door-to-door salesman or something. Wow. And, and he didn't he knew this winning this would give him publicity. You see, I was thinking he doesn't want a, a title because he wants to like play these home games, right? Maybe that's part of it too. Yeah. Can't be telling them, hey, I'm a world yeah, who's champion. Gonna, who's going to sit down with you, you know? Yeah. I mean, the, but I have read, I read Doyle's, you know, the Godfather Poker book, He, you know, bio, or autobiography. I've read a lot. I've never heard that story. Mm. But this Texas Monthly really did some real reporting. It was a fascinating piece. It's it's up for free. You know, just search for it. Because obviously in The Color of Money, there, there there's a yeah. situation where Tom Cruise is about to take out, like, the number one seed. The werewolf of London. Yeah, again, the, 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 like, uh, uh you you better not be making any more shots. You know? <laughs> yes. Okay. What's yeah. wild is up up until uh, I mean up, it looks like even for a while after '73 it was winner take all. So, wow. Ooh, so okay. the fact that he was in it and then said, you know what, I don't want to win and got out of it. That's he probably cut a deal. He probably Maybe. got. The, I that's mean, that's not the, the story they're telling. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't, but who knows? That yeah. would have been a better deal. Um, yeah, it was fascinating. Now. Last thing is, you know, obviously Stewie Younger, there's famous stories, but Stewie Younger was so far ahead, like, you know, he won in 80, 81, then Fez now knows 97 or 98, I can't remember now. Um, He had in the late 80s, so he was doing drugs at this point, and the great book on this is One of a Kind, uh, and a poker historian that you know wrote it. Nolan Dalla. Yeah. And he he got da- deep depth of knowledge on he this. He finished stuff. he finished two entries in the top twenty in the Westgate in the top ten in the Westgate. He had a huge two in the top point. ten. He had two top tens. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah. Well, how much variance was there between them? I, he was not playing the same games. Yeah. Well, then that that's yeah. extra impressive. Yeah. I mean, that's like picking like seven or eight games a week. Yeah. Wow. Um, he this book's good, but he was so far ahead, like with twenty players to go. So this would have been the time there might have been two hundred of them, maybe three hundred players at the time. Because in two thousand, like we we went over this recently, but the year that MoneyMaker won was like eight hundred and fifty, and like the year before that, that was a big jump. I think like two years before that, it was like two fifty or three hundred. So maybe it was less than that. Maybe it was one eighty in the late eighties. And I don't know if you can find that, AJ. But he was like 30 to go, and he had like double the stack of anyone else. They break. Uh-oh. He goes out. And, I, and my understanding was they kind of hint at it. He was a crack guy, like the smoke, the rocked up cocaine, right? So that is something where like they do – I mean, anyone saw New Jack City or whatever, you do a hit, and it's like they seem to want one in 30 – like in like five minutes. They want the next one, the next one. It's not like drinking a beer. It's like, you know. Well, he was so messed up. He missed the entire next day. <laughs> and they blinded him off. He, he then still was alive. So he had an entire day of getting blinded. And then the next day, about it, he still couldn't get there. 
He was in the hospital. The next day, the second day passed, he finally got blinded off to zero, and he got like sixth. <laughs> so imagine, imagine not playing the last two days, and you got sixth. Wow. That story hasn't really made the round. That's amazing. No. Uh, so like 1988, the first prize was 700000 Okay, did it have the number? Well, I guess it was 10000 a piece, right? Yeah, yeah. 167 entrance. Okay, yeah, that's a range. Yeah, so third, yeah. So, boy, it's funny because they say he was so good at uh, backgammon that, that he wasn't allowed. Like, the mob was still involved when he, you know, they wouldn't let him enter the tournament. There'd be these big backgammon gam- tournaments that would have, like, that's why he came to Vegas the first time. They brought him out of New York to play. Gin, gin Rummy. Gin oh, Rummy, was, yeah, Gin Rummy. Oh, he was, was I like thinking a, back? Yeah. Oh, oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I apologize. Thank you. Um there was a guy I met at the start. I was one of the first guys to ever teach me things here that he had, a, he, dra- he had a, like a dead leg and he dragged it behind him. But he was like the, th- at one point, the fourth rated backgammon mm. player. And I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, this place is drawing in people like, you right. know, th- but I apologize for getting that right. It was Jin. Go ahead. In his Wikipedia, I, I'm, he's got to be the only person in the world whose Wikipedia has this sentence in it. He dropped out of school to play gin rummy in the 1980 or 1960s full time to support his mother and sister after his father died. Like I'm dropping out of school to be a gin rummy player in New York City. In New York City, yeah, and it was all mob stuff. So the mob would and he would sit. He'd be a little kid, and there'd be rich guy from like Saudi Arabia that wanted to play. Right. They'd set the games up, and there's a movie about him with the guy Christopher on The Sopranos plays. Yeah, yeah. Stu Unger. I actually don't think it's bad. Mm. I mean, I know people hate that. A lot of people hate it. But anyway, pretty amazing. But but um, apparently the scene in that there's a scene in that movie where he's willing to count down the whole deck, and it, you could do 51 cards. He'd tell you what the last card was. In Dollar's book, he says double deck, ten of diamonds. Oh, was it? Okay. Says, I'm pretty sure it's a ten of diamonds, and it was. <laughs> mm. Unbelievable. But somehow, I guess because it was so boring. It, it, he couldn't take it seriously, yeah. right? Because he was broke most of the time. Yeah, and all he had to do was play poker and gin, you know? I mean, and he would go and bet sports and horses and everything. Well, yeah, it said he had to leave New York because he had debts at local racetracks. Yep. <laughs> now, the funny thing, last thing, is, um, and this really is a bad, you want to talk about bad beats. So he won like a million bucks at something, I can't remember. And this was back in the ni- early 90s, so it was a lot of money. He was down to a hundred thousand, right? So he puts a hundred thousand. It was Chavez, the guy had never been knocked down against. Was it Taylor? You know the fight I'm talking about. The uh, Chavez Meldrick Taylor fight. Yeah, that is. But as you read this, you remember. So he had about a hundred thousand on it. Yeah, like it the, would go the distance. It would go the distance, and this was a fight at the time. Chavez was undefeated, and it was a famous thing. He had a, a lot of fights, and um. But Taylor's beating the hell out of him the entire fight. And then, like, with 10 seconds left, Chavez knocks him out. and Knocks him down. Knocks him down. But then he was out, right? No. What happened from there? Three, four. So it's like it literally looked like Rocky two. Balboa yeah, right. in like in in, in like in, 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 yeah in Rocky two. But Creed hasn't fallen down, and Rocky gets up at ten. All right, mm-hmm. and and this is what happens. So Taylor gets up with ten, 
and 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 the fight. And Chavez is down. Oh no, Chavez is standing up. He right. knocks him down. Okay. And so and the fight is coming to a fruition. It's coming. To, and they're looking at the clock. And it's like three, oh, two, one, and they jump up. They're like, we win, we win. And but the but the ref is going no, no, because because Taylor does not pass the fit to fight. So that even though the clock behind the ref says one second remains, he says he thought he it was too dangerous. You're out. Yeah, too, too dangerous. Two to minutes continue. and fifty eight seconds of round twelve. Says, Although, Stop the fight. Although Taylor rose at the referee's <laughs> count of six, he failed to respond coherently to referee Richard Steele's questions after being issued a mandatory eight count and continued to hold onto the ropes in the corner, resulting in Steele stopping the fight with two seconds remaining. Shouldn't have, shouldn't have gotten up till nine. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. That's, that's a word. clever point. <laughs> If that's if that was I I'm not saying I know but Lordy B if that wasn't some shenanigans <laughs> yeah I mean have you ever seen a fight get called like that mm. and so imagine you got you could either have zero or two hundred thousand that's where he was he had everything on it and then he was back to broke damn <laughs> what's amazing is it's so easy to like like have the shenanigans there because it's it's he said he said like because yeah. the ref's like he was incoherent and the, what are you going to say to the ref the fighter is going to say I told him I was good I shook my hands out I said I'm fine and then the ref's like nah his eyes were wobbling I could tell I had to Plus stop the fight did, there he knew there was less than 10 seconds because yeah, exactly. they, make, they make that sound even if he the if the ref the, was out yeah yeah where are you the desert uh, incoherent <laughs> that, hap- that happened in a UFC fight recently I remember yeah. that they asked him a, what, like what country you were in he said United Arab Emirates yeah. like he had it slightly wrong he was Bra- he was Brazilian, so English isn't his first language. The guy was speaking to, he said he was from Dubai, and he's like, "Where where are you at? What country are you in?" And he said, "I'm in the desert. Let's fight." And he said, "Fight's over. This guy's incoherent." See, I'm not sure that's fair. You think you'd take a second and ask him, okay? But what? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What? I mean, I'm just getting a little chill with the idea of that much at yeah. stake. I mean, <laughs> Jesus. That, remember, that was before the internet, too, so the shenanigans wouldn't really be able to... It was any, 1990. Yeah, any sense of the build-up, right, it wouldn't happen. Now it'd be like on day three, it'd be bigger than day Probably one. Probably would have been better just taking 5,000 uh, times 20 and, like, going to the poker tables and clobbering all the tourists. But, hey, that's just me. <laughs> I wonder how many tourists are playing. Yeah. I mean, I there guess, are some. I mean, I guess him and I, last day, him and Doyle would have this thing. It was a weird game where they would play against the paper line, but it was somehow he had to bet so many games a day. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was like they they had they were. I mean, obviously the golf stuff is legendary, but they would bet so many different ways. Yeah. It, it was usually what they weren't good at. Yeah. It was like because none of them were great golfers, but they wanted to bet millions on golf. And again, I'll say it, lucky um, you. Is a good movie. Yeah, a lot of people don't think so. that's not only okay. It's a good movie. Have you seen it yet? I'm not. <laughs> I did see uh, Cedar Rapids though. What'd you think? So did I. So did I. I watched what, it also. What'd you think? <laughs> Fucking hilarious. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> did you like it? I, I did enjoy it. Yes. <laughs> I mean, the part when he goes, but I got tiger claws on my back <laughs> for the. <laughs> So stupid, but so funny. Oh, I don't even know if it was stupid. Oh, it was stupid. It was I mean, stupid. when he goes, he starts smoking crystal. He goes, I'm smoking crystal meth. <laughs> I'm going to have to see it. It's funny. Oh, won't Fez get it? Yeah, he'll, he'll get it. It's funny. Because the dude is so nerdy. He is so nerdy. Well, I can relate. Uh, he, like, he was with a, let's just say, a professional lady. And at one point, he goes, her kisses taste like cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> John C. Riley made the movie, though. Yeah, yeah, He makes the whole movie. When he's in the pool with the garbage can thing over his head. Oh, yeah, yeah. Beep, boop, beep. He's in the R2D2. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, isn't it funny a movie that funny slipped through the cracks? Never heard of it. Yeah, it's crazy. See, I got two pieces of advice for you. See Cedar Rapids, bet Fez on the props. That would be my. How's your college basketball doing? It's doing well. Twenty five units uh, on the season. This guy's hot, man. You had, you had a nine and zero day. Oh no, it was eight and one. There was a half court. Yeah, I lost on a half court. He buzz. came. He came along slow. Let's be honest. But he's finally. He coming. knows. He knows his college football. The fact that you're even asking his opinion. Oh, absolutely. You don't think it's variance? Just small sample size. No, he's really good. I, 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 <laughs> Damn, it, that's the nicest thing you ever said about you. If there's one person at pregame you should buy their college basketball, it's A.J. Hoffman. I, well, I think he's you, right man. up in that top list for sure. He's, num- he's my number one. I, I've been wrong before, but that's that's my my endorsement. Well, I like it, but, you know, remember, anyone that's in the room gets Fez's. No, no. I think he loves A.J., uh, and I think it's appro- appropriate, to be honest. All right, Fez, take us home. Hey. Hey, be careful out there.